Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined by the great Steven Jensen. Jensen, how are you? I'm doing great. Just like everyone else, I'm sure, who's watching this show just got finished watching that entire Stone Cold, or uh, Stone Cold, I'm wearing Stone Cold, Austin shirt, that entire Pat McAfee, uh, Vince McMahon interview, and that was a topic for today's show, so we're going to talk about that. I know a lot of people have thoughts on that. I knew you just got done transcribing all this. That's why we're running a little bit late, but Jeremy's been working this entire time, so how you doing, man? Uh, brain dead? <laughs> I'm, I'm probably probably going to say some dumb stuff on this show. Yeah, I apologize that, that we are late. It was supposed to be four because of the Vince interview, and then the Vince interview went way longer than I thought. It was supposed to be four fifteen, and then it, it is now because I just spent the the last uh, ten minutes or so trying to fight with Sean Rossap. So yeah, that, that's why we're late. Sorry, guys. I, I do have uh, other responsibilities to the site, but we're here now. That's what matters, right, Steven Jensen? And uh, we're at, oh, Jensen. We have so much to talk about. We have yeah. we have the Vince interview. We have R- Tony Khan buying ROH. Jeff Jarrett is about to be NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> Cole Radrick, we spoke to Cole Radrick. That interview is going to air at the end of the show. I think that was the best interview we've done as well. Like, we have a tremendous, tremendous, I can't even do a Tony Khan bit. I am so burned out. I can't even do like a Tony Khan bit right now. Cole's in the chat. My God. Uh, assuming that's actually him. Uh, I, I can't even do my Tony Khan bit right now. My brain is just absolute mush. Let's start with this uh, Vince McMahon interview Steven Jensen I think many of us based on the reports and stuff that were out there thought that Vince was gonna he's gonna announce that he was gonna wrestle that he was gonna face Pat McAfee at Wrestlemania they were gonna shoot some type of an angle that obviously was not the case that didn't happen uh instead he did offer McAfee a spot at Wrestlemania McAfee accepted we don't know who he's gonna face Vince is not wrestling but what do you think? First off, let's start there. What do you think of, of Vince not actually wrestling? Um, I think it's probably a good idea that he isn't wrestling. Um, I mean, if anyone could do it at his age, it'd be him. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, but like, 
Um, I honestly, from the from the very start of all this chatter about all this stuff, I honestly didn't think we were going to get Vince and Pat. I immediately defaulted to thinking if Pat's wrestling, it'll be Austin Theory. So um, that's kind of that's where I'm still at. I think that's what they probably will set up. But uh, but yeah, I, what about you? I mean, did you think that that Vince was actually going to wrestle? I kind of did because one, there were the reports and I mean, I know people like to, to dunk on all that stuff. I am pretty sure post wrestling John Pollock was very reputable. Sure. Uh, he put it out there. So like I trusted Pollock on that. They had a lot of tickets to sell. We, we've talked about like They got essentially 200,000 tickets to sell. They're trying to sell roughly a hundred thousand each night. They need something seeing Vince McMahon wrestle. I know he's old. I know it's not going to be a good match or anything. There is still a spectacle to Vince McMahon wrestling that people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to buy a ticket to see that. And it was obviously going to be smoke and mirrors. I don't know how much he was going to do, but we love this freak show fight shit, right? Jensen, like you watch, you watch that stuff. Nate Robinson and Jake Paul, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, all these, these triller fights. You're not even mentioning the goat, Aaron Carter. Yeah. Aaron Carter gets Lamar Odom. (laughs) Yeah. Aaron Carter and Lamar Odom was, was top tier entertainment. Um, I mean, when you really think about it, you know, I know it was already a while ago now, but Bret Hart and Vince McMahon had a match at WrestleMania, and, and both guys weren't in like the best condition to be doing that. But like they, they I, don't, I don't necessarily think it was good, but you know, they were able to pull off something as far as a match. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll say this I've really, really enjoyed McAfee's wrestling on NXT. I thought his match with Adam Cole was like way better than it ever had any right to be. I thought his war games match, he did great for considering his like very low, like uh, uh, what's a very, very little experience in wrestling. Yeah. Um, so it's, but, but I, I mean, I just, like, I, I get, I get the whole spectacle of like Vince wrestling and all this stuff, but I'm also interested to see what other things they do or don't pull off for WrestleMania this year. Cause we're only like a month away. Right. So like, I mean, it, like if Austin is wrestling, like you probably want to let people know. If Cody is coming to the company, you probably want to let people know. If Vincent Mann is wrestling, you probably want to let people know. Um, and I don't know if, if like any of those things will happen, which would be really interesting after all this talk about all this stuff. Yeah, um, I I'm looking forward to to McAfee. Who do you think he he faces? Like where, where are you theory. at on? Who, I, I think it's got to be Austin Theory. I think that's the one that makes the most sense. I think Austin Theory can be really jealous about how well Pat and uh, Vince got along today. And he's like, I'm supposed to be like your favorite new person. I got to, you know, take out this Pat McAfee dude in the ring and, you know, prove that, you know, you should be, you should, you know, praise me, not this guy kind of thing. I, I agree. It seems like it's going to be Austin Theory. The, I mean, they don't care about the brand split. So it'd be, you know, Theory's on Raw. he just go to SmackDown. Be what it be. I I'm a little disappointed. It's not Vince. I I mean maybe that sounds harsh because people think like oh he's gonna die in the ring and stuff. I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. The man is still. He said he works out till three a.m. All right, like I th- this man is he's gonna outlive all of us. So I'm a little disappointed. It's not Vince. I kind of got my hopes that okay we're gonna get a Vince McMahon match. Here we go. And the spectacle of it all would have been something for me. And and it's not. And again I'm a little disappointed that it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I get that. I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Um, but uh, but yeah, as far as the rest of it, though, just wanted to throw this out there before I forgot to bring this up. I thought the most interesting interesting thing about the McAfee and Vince interview today was that little bit that they talked about the company without his family around. 
like he that was the first time i would imagine publicly especially he's talked about the idea of like you know he's like hey i'm not i'm not thinking about it a whole lot but i have thought about what this company would look like without anyone in my family uh running it and stuff like that and he made it so clear throughout the whole interview uh some people probably call it heartless and i understand that when it comes to certain things that he that he said during it especially about like all the talent that they've released being dead weight and all that stuff but when you when you really think about it it's like i did i just think that vince is just kind of in this really really unique spot right now where like i think he is oh there's a lot of people out there that think there's no way in hell vince McMahon would ever sell the wwe and i'm in interviews like this make me think that it's way more likely that he is going to sell the company sometime in, in the near future the way that he was just talking about like he didn't say anyone's name but he was kind of heavily implying like hey and he kind of said this he's like hey i have family that works here and even if they're family if it isn't what's best for business then we're going to move on from those people and we're it's always about the audience that in his mind it's all about the audience it, it, everything else is just business and like you immediately think triple h and what's happening to him right now and it's like you know so i just want to throw that out there too like not only was i interested for the potential of you know vince maybe wrestling again and the whole pat mcafee uh potential match and all that stuff but that was a part of the interview that really really stuck out stuck out to me was the whole just he seems open to selling like i feel like if he wasn't he would be very very short about it but he, he kind of elaborated on like my family might not be a part of this you know long term so i was i didn't know what to expect from this interview when sean put out the story that like it's gonna be an actual interview and then they might do some like work stuff uh i was like okay well here we go he's gonna do an actual interview um him mentioning he said a lot of things i like a lot a lot of things him mentioning yeah my family and i might not be around we've all heard the rumors of of the of them selling of it being a possibility we've all thought that's what all these budget cuts and stuff are for he mentioned in into to play off of him saying the family might not be around he said when the company went public it became easier for him because he didn't have to put his heart into a lot of these decisions right it became a business for him and he was talking about like releases and it made him sound very heartless uh when he's like you know because sometimes you think like oh they got a family this person's has a relative who has cancer and stuff he's like no, we're, we're just we just care about the stockholders. He confirmed a lot of what we kind of already thought and what we kind of already say a lot of times is like they don't care about like the wrestlers and stuff. What they care about is that bottom line and making sure the stockholders are happy when it comes to making these decisions. And again, we've all thought it, we've all said it. Vince really confirmed it with his comments here. He also had the comments of like the, the listen to the audience. If it doesn't work, I know. And I, I change course and everything. It's like, nah, that's probably bullshit. And when he talks about like collaborating with the wrestlers of like, you know, if they present me with an idea and you know, I, or I present them with an idea and they present and they say, no, they don't like it. Present me with something that's better. I'll change course and everything. Like it's collaboration. It's this and this, this like, eh, that's probably bullshit too. Um, there was, there was a lot, a lot to unpack in this interview and we could probably do a full hour on just like everything he said and everything there is to unpack. But I think I, I'm with you. The most interesting comments were him saying he kind of can see the family not being involved. And, and the, the other comment that, that you touched on was where he's like, 
I, I probably expect more from my family and like they let me down and it's like, oh yeah, we know, we don't know who that's a shot at, but like based on who's involved and who's not involved, we kind of get who that's a, a shot at. Um, but it does seem like at some point he would be content with sort of selling. I don't think that's anytime soon though. And I still think he is going to be involved to some extent because the other part that he really said is like, this isn't work. Like I'm still having fun. I still love everything I do. And you know, to me, like this isn't work. I love being behind the scenes. I still get an adrenaline rush when it comes to shows and everything. So those comments have me believe like, yeah, maybe at some point down the line in the next five years or so he sells, but it ain't close to, to being sold right now it, it won't happen within the next year or two like a lot of people have sort of speculated well the thing is too i mean i i relate a lot of this to like the ufc sale years back where just because Vin sells a company doesn't mean he he wouldn't necessarily still be the one in charge of pretty much everything still it's right. just he would get paid a lot of money and then there's kind of like an exit plan for you know after a certain amount of years because i i always figured that if Vin sold the company then Triple H would kind of be the Dana White in that scenario where, where Dana would Dana stayed on with the UFC to be the president of the company and got paid a lot of money because he also had ownership in the company when it sold. So for Vince, I could see something similar to that too, where he's like, I can get $10 billion, just a hypothetical number or whatever. You know, UFC sold for four billion. Um, let's say Vince is like, I can get five billion, ten billion, or whatever dollars and I still get a yearly salary and I'm still involved, but technically I just don't own it anymore. But like, I'm still pretty much in charge of everything. Like, you know, but then again, he would have to answer to more people, but he's already doing that as he, as you said, with the stockholders, like he's already kind of at their mercy when it comes to a lot of decisions and he's taken emotion completely out of it. Like you said. So I don't know. It's just something, just something to think about. Um, I'll also say this, and I tweeted this as well. This was the realest I have ever seen Vince McMahon in my life. Um, uh, sure, there were certain things where he kind of was like towing the, the company line with some Sorry. of his answers and stuff. So, yeah, the, I, sure. There, the, this wasn't a perfect, like, made Vince McMahon look like a, a, a an angel for a full two hours interview. But this was the, the closest I feel like I've ever gotten to actually getting to know who the actual real human being Vince McMahon is. Um I've seen plenty of his interviews. He doesn't do many of them, but I've seen plenty of them over the history of, you know, the last, you know, 30 years I've been alive. And this was the first time where he just kind of felt similar to Brock on the McAfee show. Like just felt like he was hanging out with, with other dudes who were interested in like knowing what he was talking about. He was talking very lax when it came to a lot of stuff. And like, it felt like he was given some real answers, uh, some answers that he might regret saying if i'm being completely honest because he but but it was nice to see even if even if not everything he said was was perfect right there's something there's a value there in my opinion just to just to get some real answers from a guy who just seems so as pat mcafee was saying so robotic so alien like just so unrelatable and then to hear him kind of be relatable for close to two hours was like wow like this guy talks about the wwe like he this isn't work to him like he almost gets offended when you say it's work. He's like, this isn't, this isn't work. Like I run my favorite thing in the world. Um, he's there every day because he wants to be there every day. Um, in all, in all honesty, people, I mean, I have my own views right on the, the, the Saudi business and that kind of stuff. Like, I don't like that they do business with, with them, but at the same time, like 
it's just one of those things where like I do have a more of a respect for Vincent Mann in general after the interview because I'm like okay like I he was very transparent with a lot of stuff that he hasn't been transparent about before in my opinion and whether you agree with him or you don't with a lot of this stuff like at least he was being real for for, uh, for some of it you know what I mean like it, it was cool to see him be a real per closer to a real person than I, I feel like we've ever seen before I think he was able to be comfortable in large part because it was Pat McAfee um JJ kind of mentioned it he's being interviewed by a company man not an outside journalist and and that's that was a big part of it right yeah. like McAfee like he he mentioned AEW he mentioned Tony Khan buying ROH he he brought up Saudi and everything he was never going to press him on this stuff like he brought it up he kind of mentioned it Vince gave an answer whether you're happy with the answer or not that that's that's your uh your call to make um but like once he gave his answer McAfee was not going to press like, oh, well, Saudi, they did this, this, and this. Why didn't you continue your relationship? Like, hey, let's talk more about AEW. Like, they're taking all these people. They're getting all these big reactions. Uh, they're doing these ratings and everything. He doesn't – again, he's, he wasn't going to be pressed on that stuff, right? It was going to be a kind of a one-and-done line of question. McAfee, he, he is a company guy. He is a fan. He was just happy and thrilled that Vince McMahon was there, and he was uh, – to – and look, I'm not saying I, I would have done any better if I'm in, I'm in McAfee's position, especially if I work for the company. He came across like like a fan, and that that's completely fine. He was he was fanboying when he was there. Again, that's fine. I didn't expect anything else. I'm with you in that. Like what Vince said, he did give some real and honest answers. Did I buy that all of them? Absolutely not. Um, but uh, you know, it, it did kind of human humanize. Vince McMahon with that in the answers that he gave because he doesn't do a lot of these interviews. Even when you see him on TV nowadays, like he, he looks like with all the makeup and stuff, he, he looks very weird. His cadence is, he, I don't know what's going on with him on television. This, he was very relaxed. Angels as like, it was just conversational. And that's really what it was. Like he was just there to kind of, yes. you know, shoot the shit with everybody. And that that's fine. That's what I expected. I think, I got more than I expected based on how long the interview was and based on everything he said, honestly. Yeah, no, I I'm with you hundred percent on everything you're saying. And, and on top of that, you're mentioning, um, uh, Pat McAfee being a fan during this. And uh, this is something I think needs to be stressed. And this is also something that I don't want people to take as me. Uh, this is not a dig on Pat McAfee at all, but this is just the truth. He did that interview from the perspective of a WWE fan that probably doesn't watch really anything outside of the WWE when it comes to pro wrestling. And the reason I bring that up is because I see a lot of people already on Twitter that are like, why wasn't he bringing up Cody? Why wasn't he bringing up this? Why he, he probably doesn't even pay attention to that stuff. If I'm being completely honest. Like he might have no idea that Cody Rhodes is even like a big star in wrestling or that, that he's Mac this McAfee free agent. or McAfee McAfee, or McAfee, McAfee. No, I think, I think no. McAfee, I think McAfee knows because McAfee did when Cody was, was free uh, the other week, like he did mention, Oh, I guess Cody's coming to AEW. Like that'll move the needle and everything. Cause he had the little Twitter war with Cody as okay. well. Well, 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 in that case, I think McAfee's plugged in. Well, I in, do. in that case though, he was mostly, I don't know for sure, but he was probably told not to bring that up if they are going to bring him into the company. Like I, I think they're yeah because otherwise it's the elephant in the room like why wouldn't you ask that question if vince is sitting right in front of you, you know that's the number one question people want an answer to in all of wrestling right now i i think it's some hey don't bring it up i i do think it's just some of like i'm not sure mcafee's audience totally cares 
about that like you you mentioned McAfee's audience uh being kind of kind of more casual and stuff like they're NFL fans the majority of his audience are, are sort of NFL fans who enjoy who enjoys personality obviously he they know him from WWE and SmackDown and stuff but I don't think most of the audience like really cares I just think they they didn't want hard-hitting questions they, they just wanted hey let's let's do like let's just tell stories we're just telling stories out here. Like that's, that's, that's what they wanted. And I think that's, True. that's what they got. I don't think McAfee was ever going to ask any type of, he asked, he asked sort of hard hitting stuff and Vince gave the answers he gave. If Cody Rhodes was coming in, I don't think Vince was going to give a real answer anyway, unless he was going to break that news. But I, I, it was pretty much what I expected to be. But McAfee definitely knows about, about Cody because he's joked about it and everything. I don't think Vince knew that McAfee had wrestled before. Honestly, I don't think that was a thing because Vince made it seem like first match, big stage, like, you know, I haven't seen you before. I don't think Vince knew that McAfee wrestled in NXT. Well, well that's hard on McAfee too because he never talks about it. Like, he talks about it like he's never, like, he's never like, yeah, those matches I had in NXT and, or anything. Like, he just, like, he doesn't even talk about it really. Or he didn't bring it up at least during this either. Because um, he was, he was like, man, I hope those WWE rings aren't as stiff as the ring I have here at the studio. And it's like, you've been in WWE rings multiple times, <laughs> you know? So like, that's yeah. just a little confusing. Um, I love Pat McAfee, by the way. Like I, I, I didn't just listen today to his show. Actually, I'm a, I'm a pretty regular listener. Um, I really like Ty, uh, one of the, the boys on his, on his crew. He's a Packers fan. I'm a Vikings fan. So we, we do not get along NFL wise, but um, there, there's some, some of those guys on his show. Like, I think it'd be cool if they popped up at, wrestlemania almost like his like crew or something um because those guys deserve a lot of credit for the success of the show also in my opinion um it's mainly mcafee don't get me wrong he's the guy that that he's the face of it all but they have a good a good squad of people there that are like they're just entertaining to listen to they just you know they just bro they bro out for a few hours a day and just talk about sports and stuff and there's a reason it's so successful people like listening to that kind of stuff and that's what was so cool about vince being on this show and acting the way he was because like you said and like Joel said in the chat, like it was just conversation. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't, and you're right with the hard hitting questions aspect. And then there's also, like I said, and like we both said, I mean, he works for the WWE. There's only so many things he can, you know, he, he's not trying to press Vince. Like why would he, that wouldn't make any sense for him. Um, but that was the one elephant in the room. There were, there were two elephants in the room that they didn't address. One was Cody Rhodes and the other was Steve Austin. He brought up Steve Austin, but it's like there's all these rumors in wrestling right now that Steve Austin's coming back for WrestleMania, and you're this big wrestling fan. Either he was told not to bring it up, or like, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like, if, let me ask you, Jeremy. You, I, granted, you, we don't work for the WWE, obviously, but like, if you had Vince McMahon in front of you and you were like, you can ask him ten questions, like you would right now, but you wouldn't bring up either Austin or Cody once. I mean, people think I work for the WWE with <laughs> takes and stuff. Um, I probably look if I'm asking Vince McMahon, I'm not sure if I'm talking to Vince McMahon. I'm probably not asking five, ten questions because I want to know more about stuff that was like history and whatnot, sure. and like why he did this and why he did did that. Um, I maybe I ask about Austin, Cody. I'm not. You're the Cody fan. Like, yeah, that's true. You, you're you're the big Cody fan. I'm not that big on like, hey, you know, let let me know about Cody. Rowe. Yeah, Shane. Like, I would ask him more about Shane than I'd care about Cody. That's a good honestly. point. That's a good point about Shane. But with my fandom aside, I I wave that flag <laughs> for sure. Everyone knows that I'm a Cody fan. But like, 
is he is he not like still the biggest conversation piece pretty much in wrestling of like where's he going? I mean, it's it's dying down a little bit each week that he doesn't show up somewhere. But I feel like when the Austin news broke that he might be wrestling, it broke around the same time as Cody, and like the Cody news like flooded over the Austin news, which was really eye opening for me because it's like Austin might be coming back for the first time in twenty years, and everyone's talking about Cody Rhodes, like. But I think the, I think that's yeah. I think a large part of that is because the Cody thing was concrete of like he's gone from AEW. Austin was just, hey, we've kind of reached out to see if maybe we could make it happen. Now, when if and when Austin gets announced, then that'll probably be a much bigger deal than, hey, Austin might be coming back. They're trying to set something up. Um I think that's a big reason why Cody kind of took precedent over Austin. Like I agree with you. Look, the Cody thing was was huge was announced, but I I do think it it overshadowed Austin largely because it was concrete. Because if it was the rumor, because there were the rumors that Cody might be leaving, but just everyone just sort of dismissed it. And I think it's sort of similar with Austin. It's like there's the rumor that he's coming back, but people are still like, all right, well, how come they haven't announced it then? Uh, you know, there we're a month out, it hasn't been announced. Uh, you know, we've heard this before, one more match and stuff, it never happens. I think that's why the Cody stuff took present. I don't I I'm very fascinated by by Cody and what's gonna happen with him. And probably not something I'm asking Vince about. You, Jensen, the you well, you, you sure, yeah, that's all ten of your questions is just about yeah. Cody Rose. It's like when's Cody coming back? Why'd you do that to Stardust? Why'd you put a paper <laughs> bag over his head? That's all you want to know about. Hey, that's fair. And and, and it, it is a fair point to bring up the kind of concrete versus speculation, because because you're right, there was the speculation and the rumor that Cody was leaving uh, weeks before it was official he was. Um, and so I, I do I do agree with what you're saying about that. Um, that said, the only and to be honest, the only reason I brought any of this up was because I was like defending this the stance of like McAfee not bringing this stuff up. <laughs> but my my point was more so like, you know, I you know, as as a wrestling fan, these are the things that I was interested in. But at the same time. I, I didn't, I don't think it was like, it would have been a good idea to be pressing him on anything. Like you just said, especially because this guy's giving you his first interview in what, like 15 years, like a live interview, just like a live sit down. Yeah. I mean, you got to respect that. Like, I mean, you're, you're super fortunate. That this guy's even doing this for you. So, um, and then you got to see him at work uh, every week too. He's going to be in your headset tomorrow night. Yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. So Yes. Well, I, shout out shout out to Pat though. That that was a very, very well done interview. Like I I, I like I was very entertained by the whole thing. It it was good. It was very conversational. My expectations were very low as far as what was gonna kind of come out of it and how much we were gonna get from Vince. And again, I never expected Pat to press him on stuff. I never expected Pat to treat him like Bob Costas of like, let me know about this, let me know about that. I very much expected Pat to just be like, hey. Let's bullshit about wrestling because he's always going back to, you know, he is a fan. Like even when he, when he first started with WWE and talking about uh, Vince being in his ear and everything, he's even said like, it's like hearing God in my ear. Like he had just has so much respect for Vince McMahon and he sees him as if he looks at him as he's being a fan. He also, he sees him as a boss and everything. He is not independent investigative journalist, Pat McAfee. So I got pretty much what I expected out of it, even more than I expected based on uh, considering how long it was and how many headlines I have to write about it, this thing. Uh, but it was good. It, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely good for the three hours that it lasted. 
was it three hours? Was it no, really? it was. Uh, it was, was like, like it was like good, hours, like hour and a half. Yeah. Though. yeah, yeah. It was very long. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it was. I, I I hope that Pat can continue to get these kind of interviews too. Like whether we get like the hard hitting questions or not, like it's just cool to see people. Like I, I can't say enough good things about that Brock interview from with him a few. The weeks Brock ago. interview like, was tremendous. Yeah, like that's and once again, like I'm not even. This is not a dig at all. Like. Pat McAfee is clearly like a massive WWE fan and there's nothing wrong with that. And he works for the WWE like, and he gets really excited about the WWE. So I, I like that his passion shines through when he, when he does his interviews, I I've said it before. I don't think he's a great wrestling commentator, but I think he's perfect for what the WWE needs on commentary. Like his, his enthusiasm is like, it's infectious and, and he, he is enough of a fan. I mean, I, I I'll never forget him talking years ago about when he got really, really drunk one night and like forgot that he had ordered a wrestling ring to his house. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I was like, that's just cool as hell. Like whether like another thing is too, to be a wrestling fan, it doesn't mean you have to be like, like I am where like you're sitting around watching, you know, independent wrestling for, you know, your entire weekend and, and all week. And like, you're watching all this, like, it's okay to just be a wrestling fan that, that just loves the WWE um, or just any company really. Like, so so anyway, that's all to say, congrats, Pat. Like, honestly, just congratulations just in general on getting that interview. Like, that's a huge, huge deal to, to get Vincent to, to fly out to you, to sit down with you, to, to really just shoot the shit, have a real conversation. And, uh, and then also to get offered a WrestleMania match, as this kind of all started with this conversation. Pat McAfee wrestling on WrestleMania. So, and, and I think he'll knock it out of the park, just like he did at War Games, just like he did against Adam Cole. Like, um, I, I'm a believer in Pat McAfee. Like, I think that he's just really, really good at the stuff he puts his mind to. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring. So I'm, I'm very happy for the guy. There's clearly a lot of respect for for Pat McAfee all, all throughout the company. Cole has praised him a lot. The the fact that Brock has been on a show, the fact that Vince has been on his show, um, there's a lot of respect for Pat McAfee. And it is cool to see because Pat is such a fan and he does make it fun. I know you don't like him as a commentator, you're a hater, but he, he no, is a I like him. I like listening to him on commentary, but it reminds it's like listening to Don West on commentary. I love Don West on TNA commentary. Hater. But like he wasn't like this like encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge, but it didn't have to be because the person next to him was. You know what I mean? Like Pat McAfee, as long as he's got a guy like Michael Cole with him, Pat McAfee is good to go. I just want to hear him marking out and getting up on the on the desk when Shinsuke is coming out and like just doing his thing and marking out being a fan. Like He's he's something different. I I I like that he presents something different to the to the presentation of the WWE product. I'm sure people will find fault in, in this Vince McMahon interview. Uh, again, if your expectations were Pat's going to grill him on all the the tough questions, it's Vince's first interview in 15 <laughs> years. He's got to he's got to be asked about uh, concussions and and this release and that release and you know. I don't even know what the, the questions would be. I'm not prepared. Uh, but like, he's got to ask about this, this, and this. Like, never expected any of that. Pat brought up things that I didn't think were going to get brought up. Vince gave the answers he gave. Pat was never going to press him about stuff. It was fun. It was harmless fun for two hours that it lasted. And if you thought this was going to be him and Costas all over again, it wasn't. I 
Well, I hope Vince does another interview with somebody who is going to be confrontational. Because the other thing I took away from this was he's like, I like confrontation. You know, makes you how 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 do you react in those little uh in those moments? Like, I like that stuff. So give me Vince being interviewed by an actual journalist and I, I, and let's see how Vince reacts and like do that kind of confrontation type of thing. I don't think we'll be seeing Vince doing interviews for a very long time unless it is a setting like this. I know we're going to get the documentary at some point. That thing's been rumored for, for like two years now. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a different side of Vince on that. But enjoy the Vince, this Vince McMahon interview because I don't know when the next one's coming. And I, he doesn't do a lot of them. He had fun with this one. Bless him. It was it was entertaining. I don't, I don't want to say it was super informative we didn't get the uh, maybe all the answers we were looking for but it was entertaining yeah like i said i can't stress it enough him just seeming way more like a normal guy than i've ever seen before and i was afraid sort we were- of normal this man was like i uh, he, he, he said it like i'm just built different yeah. i got three brains <laughs> well you know what i mean in comparison of what we've seen our whole lives of like him you know just like on on WWE TV, you mentioned this as well a few minutes ago. When you see him, he seems like this shell of himself where he like seems yeah. like, you know, he does seem like a robot, like a robot who he seems like an older version of a robot that ate the old Vince McMahon and is like still kind of like the Vince from like the 80s and 90s. But like, but you can't put your finger on what's different about him. But like, you know, but this really made it because I was afraid that's who Vince was. Like when I was seeing him on WWE TV, I'd be like, this really feels pretty close to what he probably is like in real life. Like, this is just sad. And then I see him today and I'm like, no, no, he's actually just working me on TV. That's that was my biggest fear of like, I, you watch him on Monday and he's very just like stoic. He can't string two words together. And I, I came into this interview. I was like, well, it's not going to last long. He's not really going to say anything because he can't, he can't put words together at this point. So to see him the way he was, like, oh shit, like this is this is he's fine, like he really is gonna outlive us all, like he's he's doing great, like great, tremendous, uh, stupendous, stupendous, um, <laughs> tremendous answer on that by the way, it's like it's branding, you know, you don't use stupendous in everyday life, but now when everybody says it, if you ever do hear, it, it's like oh fuck, WWE, that's what it is. Yeah, I love yeah. I love Pat like explaining it to you. He's like, you walking around doing the Billy strut in front of your fucking dinosaur, like <laughs> you know what I mean, thinking about this stuff. And Vince is like laughing, you know, he's like yeah. joking around. Like it was it was refreshing to see. It was it was it was really cool to see that. If you haven't watched the Vince McMahon interview, you can go watch that. If you don't want to watch it, uh, we'll be running articles for the next month uh, on on this thing um, because yeah, the whole thing's been rare. Jesus. The other WWE spotlight, that was your spotlight for, for the week. My spotlight, and we'll be brief on this because we're going to spend another two hours on uh, Tony Khan. They're doing a winner-take-all match between Brock and Roman at WrestleMania. And then according to reports, they're just going to do the winner-take-all match, and then like the next night, they'll just get a divorce, I guess. They're going to they're gonna divorce the two championships. It happens, right? Kim Kardashian's marriage lasted about two minutes to Chris Humphreys. You can get pretty pretty quick divorce well, annulment. They're just gonna get it. They're just gonna get it annulled. Like it never happened. So get get ready for for WrestleMania where Roman's gonna be holding up both titles, and then the the Friday on SmackDown, the two titles get an annulment, and then one title will go back to Raw and live its happy life. Uh, live the single life, you know. 
Yeah. So where I've been seeing these these uh, conversations, how like in stone is this? Like who's I haven't I honestly haven't been paying attention. Like who's been saying I, I know people I know fans have been saying, but like why where does all this stem from where people are so sure that they're going to unify them and then ununify them? I think I'm pretty sure it comes from the observer and micro torch. Joel Pearl probably know. We I don't think we uh FIFA actually ran this story because it wasn't like concrete concrete it it was just a thing of like hey this is their plan and that's it and so of course people are just going to be like hey this is what we're going to do um or and some people are just gonna be like oh they're they're really stupid like this is obviously going to be their plan obviously plans can change maybe maybe they do unify the titles maybe it actually you know it sticks uh there you go jj says uh Meltzer said it on observe that's what i thought i thought it came from from dave um so maybe it does stick I don't know. It would certainly be a WWE thing where it doesn't stick. I, I said it, I've said it before. Like, I don't like having just two titles, especially if you're going to like, hypothetically, let's say Roman wins and then somebody just beats Roman for the, the WWE title. He's like, ah, oh, who gives a shit about that belt? Like I'm still the universal champion and everything. I don't like when they did that with Becky, when she got both belts and then a month later, she just dropped the one title, but she was still the raw champion. I, I didn't, I didn't really like that. Uh, I prefer, like, my, my preference is just having one belt. When the original brand split and they just had one belt, that's what I liked the, the most. And I would prefer it to go back to that. I don't think they're actually going to do that. I could, and this is why I think the, oh, they're just going to unify them and then split them again story picked up steam. Because I think WWE does like having the two titles and it would be a very WWE thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't do that. The funny thing is, like, if they did that, I, <laughs> me and a lot of other people will go from, like, Vince seemed pretty down to earth on that McAfee interview to, like, Vince has lost his mind. What's he thinking doing something <laughs> like this? Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm – but we don't have to go down this rabbit hole because and this is – it would take so long. We already have talked about this on previous episodes. But, you know, I, I'm, I want one world title – I want one mid-card title. I want one set of tag titles, you know, or maybe some multiple mid-card titles, depending on which titles they are and like how they're utilized. But, uh, you know, women's titles, that kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, but one set of these, I want the brand split to end. I want all of this to end. I want the championships to matter again, because I feel like they haven't for a long time. Part of the reason is because there's too many of them. And it's hard to call yourself the world champion when there are multiple world champions in the same company. But that said, like, I'm just hoping that they do what I think is the right thing and they unify the belts at WrestleMania and they stay unified, especially if it's Roman. Cause it's like, you've built it up now to the point where like, okay, if Roman beats Brock, like who is he? And that's the whole other conversation. Who does he lose to eventually and all that stuff. But like, make this will make it feel a little different, a little more special. I feel like, cause like we've seen this great run from Roman already but it, it, I think it kicks up to another notch if, like, he's the only world champion for the next, you know, six months or the next year heading into the next WrestleMania or something. Like, one world champion. And then whoever beats him, it means so much more because you beat the one real world champion in your company. You didn't, you know, and I hate to say it, but there was so many years in the WWE, um, especially for, like, the original brand split where people would win the world heavyweight title, The you know, or depending on what show which title was on the WWE title they'd flip-flop and stuff but it always seemed like one of the titles meant more than the other most of the time and it's just unfortunate because you know if you're a guy like Christian for instance who wins the world title like that's cool but like people are still going to be like well but you're never the WWE champion you know it was like well I was well kind of 
you know, like, and I, I, I want there to be no doubt. Like I want one real champion. And then on top of that, that also means the intercontinental title or whatever U S title, whatever you want to use that elevates similar to how AEW uses the TNT title, where like there's a true secondary title that actually means something. And then that person could potentially become the world champion. You know, you're kind of prepping for that. So, um, so yeah, I guess to answer the question though, I think it would be a really, really bad idea to unify the titles and then just ununify them because I'm not saying they won't do that. They probably will do that, but, but, but you know, that's just going to leave a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of WWE fans, I think, because they're going to feel like they were lied to. Like, we bought WrestleMania. We watched the unification match. And now it didn't even matter because, like, the titles aren't together anymore. You know, I just, I, I, you know. But this is also the same company that marketed the greatest match of all time before it happened. So, like, I mean. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like, after the, the show is over, it's like, yeah, we bought WrestleMania and we, we saw the unification match and the next night it doesn't matter. Great. We, we bought Hell in a Cell. And the next night, you just got a free Hell in a Cell match. They don't, they don't care. They don't care about that mm-hmm. stuff at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I could fully believe that they'll just do a unification match, and then by the next week, just ununify the titles. However, they're going to do it. I think both networks want like a world champion on their show. I do think that is a big part of it. Obviously, right now, people are just going back and forth anyway. So whatever uh i wish there was a little bit more between the networks like synergy i don't know if that's ever going to happen because now you're talking about overall networks not just wwe and i think that's still a big reason for the brand split is because the networks like that even though again guys are just going back and forth and it doesn't really matter uh i i I would be fine with the two mid card titles like a mid card title on each on each brand but i've always liked i've always liked one world title one set of tag titles, one women's title. And then if you want to do a specialty title on, on each brand, like if one if one brand wants to be like a hardcore championship present, put the you know the 24-7 titles on Raw. Um, and then the SmackDown could have like cruiserweights or something. I know they do NXT up next or whatever. I'm talking about when they actually had the depth to do to do all this stuff and the in the mind to do all this stuff. Nowadays, of course, we just what the fuck they just announced Drew McIntyre and, and Happy Corbin. How, but this has nothing to do with unification titles. I'm just really agitated by this. Fucking stupid is this. On Thursday last week, they do McIntyre and Madcap on, on SmackDown, even though you just saw that at Elimination Chamber. But McIntyre and Madcap on SmackDown. And then like an hour before SmackDown, McIntyre and Corbin is now on SmackDown. And then... Two minutes before the match, it's McIntyre and Madcap again, and now we get McIntyre and Corbin at WrestleMania. This this company as a as a wrestling company, which I guess they're an entertainment company, it just sucks. All right, so yes, hey Jensen, they're gonna Roman Reigns. He's gonna hold up both titles. He's gonna it's gonna be the big celebration. The fireworks are gonna go. He's gonna do the ones, double ones, like Louis Dangor, because he's both Usos. He's gonna hold up both titles. This cool thing. I wish I had a title. You have, you have two titles, Jensen. Mm-hmm. You know, hold them both up. And then the next the next night, he's just gonna take the, the the WWE title and be like, I don't want this piece of shit. I don't need this red belt. And then every there you go. And then just throw down the red title, Jensen. Be like, fuck what's, this. It's, title. it's blue now, right? But what's yeah there you go. whatever he says he says fuck this title hold it upside it's... down <laughs> Miss style just, just oh man it's 
Watch WrestleMania, get get excited for Roman and Brock, and then realize every, this uh, eight-hour, two-night stupendous event that you have watched doesn't mean a damn thing. All right? Have fun with WrestleMania, everybody. <laughs> a month away. Let's get into the AEW spotlight. Tony Khan promised a ticket. What? <laughs> I just not that I even care to answer, but it's just funny because that all started with like wanting my opinion on Lon Corbin versus uh McIntyre and just went, went just straight into like WrestleMania is not worth watching. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's just go and move on. <laughs> the Corbin and McIntyre is at WrestleMania. Like yeah. who is paying to to see this is why they can't sell two hundred thousand tickets because it's like who's watching Baron Corbin against uh Drew McIntyre, the undefeated Happy Corbin, by the way. The undefeated Happy Corbin. Nobody's paying to watch that shit, all right? I feel so bad. I feel so bad for Drew McIntyre. Like, that dude was the COVID champ. Like, he was the dude who, like, throughout that whole period was, like, the most reliable, like, put the company on his back, like, having good matches with no fans there and, like, looks the part and, like, all improved and, like doing everything you would want out of a guy you like you put you put this this title on and give this big push you beats brock at wrestlemania but nobody's there and then when all the fans come back like titles on lashley and granted i like lashley it's not that i don't want lashley to be the champion but it's just funny when it's like i feel bad for mcintyre it's like damn they really gave you this really big push and really made you the man but no one was there live to ever see it and now you're in a position where it's you and mad or you and uh baron corbin or sorry happy corbin it's like damn dude that's a that's a that's a fall that's just a bummer for him but then again didn't happy happy corbin retired kurt angle so i mean there's some piece some they don't remember that shit they don't remember any of that uh they mcintyre is a cool cat and kitten he'll he'll be okay be fine he'll do a bunch of media make it sound like the biggest match in the world and that, he, that he's very excited because he knows happy corbin is gonna step up i want these guys to step up that's terrible i have no scottish accent it'll be fine all right jensen you don't watch the madcap moss i assume no you know, tells- no 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 you are incorrect i actually oh. think madcap moss might be the most talented of all these people we're talking about this guy is like a freak athlete like legitimately freak athlete he he looks good i liked him in raw underground i actually liked him as like the jobber he was on NXT. Can I, I can mute you. I'm just going to mute you, Steven Jensen. <laughs> I'm going to unmute myself here. I forgot. I you actually have well. access. And, you, you sound like no. Paul Heyman, Madcap Moss. He's going to figure it out. What an athlete. He's going he's gonna to be great. He's Tell telling me. jokes. He's oh, no. Telling... I don't I know nothing about his gimmick. Nothing. You want to hear one of his jokes? Steven Jensen, you want to hear one of his jokes? You're from Georgia. I hear that Atlanta is the biggest city in Georgia. It's funny, though. I didn't know they were basing that on weight. You get it? You get it, Stephen Jensen? No, I get it. I get it. Here's here's another one. Here's another one. If Kofi Kofi started a Garth Brooks cover band, do you know what song he'd sing? Mm. Friends in No Places. So he's not writing these jokes, I'm assuming. I don't right? know who's writing like, these jokes. Like, but, I don't know. But, but my my point is this. I watched Mad Cat Moss land on his head. Land on his head. Drew McIntyre gave him that reverse Alabama slam. And that man not only got up and kept going, 
he took like multiple pretty decent bumps like for he minutes wrestled. i mean like the, the next week i mean wrestled. dude's tough i'm gonna give him some sure. credit here He's tough. All right, Jensen, Jensen, you're a you're you're a UFC fan. You remember yeah. BJ Penn against Diego Sanchez? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a one-sided ass kicking. Yeah. Right? But everybody's like, oh, Diego Sanchez, so tough. What a tough guy. Who gives he got his ass kicked in that fight? All right. I'm glad Madcap Moss is a tough guy. He didn't do anything for me as a professional wrestler. All right, that's great that he's tough. If the nicest thing you can say about a guy is that he's tough, that means he doesn't have any other good skills outside of getting his ass kicked. Rest, rest in peace, Raw Underground. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we've, we've been 45 minutes on this show, and we're telling madcap boss jokes. Yeah, let's talk about saying, Ring of Honor. Let's talk about something people actually care about. All right. <laughs> Tony Khan made his big announcement. He bought ROH after all the speculation, and buying ROH was one of them. I think the... More leaning speculation was a partnership with ROH, and certainly the tape library was a thing. But he's outright bought Ring of Honor. Uh, I still think the big piece of this is the tape library. A lot of unanswered questions. Supercard of Honor is still on as of now. I don't know where they're going as far as television because I would assume it's off of Sinclair. Uh, I don't, so I don't know where that lands. I don't know what it means for live events. I don't know what it means for the current. I mean, they don't have guys under contract. It. You know, the the reports out there, the speculation out there, the rumor and innuendo out there is that it's going to be more like a developmental for, for AEW. And we don't know the answers to these questions because Tony Khan has not told us the answers to these questions. I think a big part of this is just we got the tape library and, hey, I might as well just own everything because maybe he had to get everything just to get the tape library. And Tony Khan's such a lunatic that he's like, sure, I'll pay an extra $5 million more to get the entire company uh, instead of just the tape library. But he's got ROH. What do you see Tony Khan doing with Ring of Honor, Stephen Jensen? So first of all, I'm going to give a shout out to Denise Salcedo, Fightful Zone, who will be a part of Supercard of Honor. I thought that was really cool to see that announcement and the and the talent I that they're stacking. Spoiled that. <laughs> the, the, the talent that they're stacking for that, like it gets me excited because you know they got guys like Ninja Mac and Alex Zane on the show and stuff. And now that Tony Khan owns this, that just makes it even more likely, in my opinion, that he's going to have eyes on more of the people that I really like on the indies, and they'll get worked into Ring of Honor, get worked into AEW, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's really exciting from like a talent standpoint not now um, for a lot of reasons. But I think the main key to it, um, it, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, why do they necessarily need Ring of Honor? They, they really don't outside of the tape library. The reason being this, there's their system, how they kind of scout talent and, and, and acquire talent and stuff. That doesn't change really at all because the same people that we're talking about that are going to be in Ring of Honor for Supercard of Honor already are on shows like GCW and already all over the indies. And Tony was already pulling from that talent pool. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't necessarily need to own ring of honor to, to form his own developmental because his own developmental is basically the independent scene. And then some of the training uh, setups that they have that kind of filter into AEW. Um, you don't need that. And then you have, of course, like AEW dark and elevation and stuff like that, where you kind of use similar to like a farm system, kind of like just kind of getting people's toes wet in the company and getting fans, you know, familiar with wrestlers and stuff that you might use down the line. But the tape library, like you said, that's a big one. I think when it comes to a potential streaming deal that everyone keeps talking about where 
if they can get, we'll just say HBO Max, because that's like the one that people keep bringing up. If AEW sells or, or, or gets a deal with HBO Max, where part of it I would hope would be like you could like I would love the subscription service like you pay for HBO Max and like you get the the AW pay-per-views and you get their tape library perfect scenario that's what it would be for me but regardless like even if it's just like a back catalog of just AEW stuff and it doesn't include the pay-per-views I think that's extra incentive for HBO Max to want to get involved and for wrestling fans to want to uh, subscribe because they have that RH library and the reason that's important is because so many of the people that are super famous, like big time, massive names in wrestling now that are in AEW, a lot of them came from Ring of Honor. So now you can basically educate this new fan base that like, you know, me and you were around to see, you know, Ring of Honor back in the early 2000s. And we followed these people's careers. But if you're a newer wrestling fan, like you're just now getting into Brian Danielson or CM Punk or any of these kind of guys, Eddie Kingston, you can go back and you can look at like old ring of honor shows and be like, Oh, now I have a way of like watching their early career, knowing more about where they came from before AEW, And it's all in one easy to watch place. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that's main uh, to, to your point, Jeremy, I, I think, and I, I want to know if you agree, but I, I do think the main part of this was the tape library. And then he probably, like you said, there was probably just some sort of deal where it's like, maybe ring of honor didn't want to sell just the library. They want to sell the whole thing. And for someone like Tony Khan, it was easier for him just to buy the whole thing. than like try to figure that all out. And I'd imagine he'll keep running ring of honor branded shows uh, to some degree, but it doesn't necessarily have to, because they were already, like I said, there's a whole ecosystem already in place that feeds into AEW as is. So I think the tape library is, is the big thing. Yes. Uh, Mark Losberry says, having the tape library and folding the promotion is the logical call, but there's no way he can do that after making that announcement so publicly. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's folding the promotion at all. I wonder, like, I just wonder how he's going to run Ring of Honor. Like, if there's no TV deal, are you just going to do, like, live events and then sort of just have AW people pop up to give them extra, extra work and stuff? Are you going to run storylines? Like, Ring of Honor, we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, they they used to run some really top-notch storylines, like the the uh, CM Punk Raven storyline, Summer of Punk and everything. Like, we've seen a lot of Ring of Honor influence um, in AEW. Like, they they were known for doing that kind of stuff. It tailed off over the years, especially during the pandemic. Like, they tried, but no one was really watching that stuff. But, like, is Tony Khan now going to be writing for two shows, essentially? Is he just going to run you know, sort of live events and just do matches for the sake of doing matches? That's where I want Is he going to turn it over to somebody? Yeah, there's, you know, William Regal is out there. Samoa Joe, if he wants to do it. I thought when Brian Danielson, oh, co- that, okay, let's talk about this. I thought you are pointing to yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm pointing to the mask I mean, look, look, Tony, Tony, I know you're watching this show. Shoot me a DM. I'll run Ring of Honor for you. All right, Jensen and I will do it. We have no problem running Ring of Honor. You, you, Jensen, you watch enough indies. You'd be a great talent scout for all of this stuff. I can write some angles and stuff. I've booked enough TEW feds. We'll run Ring of Honor. All right, Tony, hit us up. Give us a call. I won't even need that much money to do it. You pay me more than Sean Ross Sapp pays me? Then I'll, I'll, I'll write Ring of Honor television. I'll run Ring of Honor, Tony. I'll let you know how much Sean Ross Sapp pays me when you come in. Just make an offer over whatever Sean Ross Sapp pays me. Okay, Tony? You can DMs are open. 
You follow me, I follow you. DMs are open, Tony. You can pay me in Dave and Buster's power cards, and I will See? bring them on. Jensen, okay? Jensen's easy to, to work with here. Just he just needs power. Jensen will take some Dave and Buster's NFTs. Yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Let's yeah, I mean, I mean, I I I think it's a long shot, but like. I, I'm still not completely sold as going to back to the WWE. I'm still not completely sold on it. And, and, and my my uh, my percentage keeps dropping of like how likely I think it is. Like at, at one point I was at like 80, 90%. I thought he was going. And then that kind of dropped down to more like 50% when he wasn't on Raw two weeks ago. Then when he wasn't on Raw this week, that's dropping down more to like maybe 30, 40%. Like every week that I don't see him, people can go, well, maybe he debuts at WrestleMania. Maybe, but if the goal is to put people in seats, you need to advertise he's going to be there. Yes. And you got like a month to do that now. And there's no real clear like path to him being on the show based on what I'm seeing on Raw. Sure, there's great wrestlers they can figure something out with, but it's hard for me to believe that he is like signed, sealed, delivered. Because if he was, I think he'd already have been on the show. So I think Seth Rollins is the clearest path if he's on Raw, especially if, if Owens is doing um if owens is doing austin or booker t or jbl because they missed out on austin whoever it might be i think rollins might be the clearest path if you're over on maybe orton just because they'll just be like oh fuck it it's cody and orton like what else are we gonna do on smackdown i don't see anybody he's working over there like he ain't coming in wrestling sheamus drew mcintyre would have been possible but you know that's out the out the window now so yeah rollins would be the clearest path but you're right like there doesn't seem to be just a very clear-cut path for for unless it's mcafee maybe cody's working mcafee they they worked an angle on twitter when cody said that you know pat's calling me up hit me up for a job again mcafee commented on cody coming he's like ah fuck you know great um maybe it's matt maybe it is cody and mcafee but i do agree that I don't agree. Like the more time that passes, the more, like the less likely it seems I'm not dropping all the way down to like 50, 40, 30 or anything. This ROH thing. I don't think Cody's going to run it. What a just, I, I, I don't even the word for five D chess. Five D chess. <laughs> what a grift by Cody Rhodes. If he just, it drops out of AEW and then just gets to, you know, have his own. He gets to have his own figure fed with ROH, and he gets to book this. Give me the fucking Cody verse, okay? Give yes. me Cody. Give Let's me go. Running his own federation, and give me the Cody verse. Also, bring in the Fiend. Bring in my guy Bray Wyatt. Give me Cody and the Fiend collaborating on some shit, making some movies in ROH. Cody wants to do his mid south uh 80s wrestling the fiend wants to do over the top big production nonsense give me all of that all right let 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 them run wild with our they want to reimagine roh by the way they, they've done a hell of a job saying we're going to reimagine roh and it's like hey we just sold the company here's how we're going to reimagine they don't reimagine roh give me a cody and fiend mashup you can't reimagine shit more than those two guys getting getting their heads together and, and working out something well, and they have that that link. Remember back in the day, Cody was Husky Harris's pro on NXT. There remember? you go. So there you for, go. For, for everyone out there that's like, <laughs> Steven doesn't watch the WWE. Oh, I've watched a lot of WWE. <laughs> remember these kind of things. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, when it comes to Cody with Ring of Honor, wouldn't that be wild if like 
it, I'm not saying, I mean, this is just, this is as one of my favorite Minnesota Vikings uh, podcasts says often, they're called the purple daily shout out to those guys over there. Um, shout out to Declan, especially he's a big wrestling fan. Um, I see him wearing wrestling stuff all the time. They do a thing called reckless speculation. And that's basically what this is. This is just reckless speculation. Hell no. Um, I got the scoops. Lance well, yeah, has we... told me what's going on with this stuff. All right. <laughs> but I, I, but what if, you know, it really was something where the EVPs really weren't, they were kind of drifting apart a little bit. Cody's views didn't kind of align all the way with like kind of where the Bucks and Kenny and TK wanted to take stuff. And they were like, you know what, Cody, you really do want to do like more of this old school wrestling. You will. Really, if we just got Tony, Ring of Honor, we just got Tony Ring of Honor, Khan, you just run it. Tony yeah. Khan could not come to a, a, an agreement with Cody Rhodes on a contract extension or pay, or just could have picked up his option, couldn't come to some type of an agreement on this. So instead, he's like, here, here's your own wrestling potion, Cody. I need Sean Ross Sapp. What are you doing? I mean, I guess he gave me my own channel and stuff because he's like, I'm tired of you polluting up our channel. Like, here, <laughs> just just take just take your own channel. Buy me my own wrestling promotion, Sean Ross. If you really love me, like Tony Khan loves Cody Rhodes, buy me my own wrestling promotion. All right. Hey, I mean, he kind of did that already. I mean, like Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny, like he <laughs> bought. He like he started and bought AEW. Yeah, but he took it that. away. Tony Khan right. was a dick. He took it away at the end of the but, year. He's like, ah, oh, you guys aren't doing a good enough job. Give me this back. I mean, I'm not. I all I'm saying is like, I don't think that there is like this gigantic rift between Tony and Cody. I really don't. I think maybe they're just not on the same page with everything. But at the same time. I don't want to sit here and be like, it's all a work. It's all, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat dude. But like, if anybody was going to pull something like this in modern day wrestling, it would be a lifelong wrestling mark and a lifelong wrestler born into the company, born into the, the business. Like if you wanted to actually swerve fans for like the first time in decades, these are the guys to do it. So I'm just saying, I'm reckless speculation. Can we get you a tinfoil hat, Steven Jensen? I have some tinfoil in my in my uh, kitchen. I don't, but I don't want to waste it on this hat. I might need it to cook. <laughs> I don't know, I'm gonna buy a tinfoil hat for Lambs. Uh, he'll have one on on the next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. That guy's an asshole. He sucks. He's horrible. <laughs> but he might have more. He might have more on this. He might have more on uh, Tony Khan <laughs> buying Cody his own wrestling pro. <laughs> I don't Hold know if, a second. Love. if this if this is even true. So Jason Jones or sorry, James Jones. I have no idea if this is true. You said, do you have any idea what the number is that it sold for? Because like if it, if it, like Cody could have bought it if it was that price. Uh, like, the report I, I was I was linked up on on a super chat. Uh, Ring of Honor SS made a net worth of. I don't think that the report was like 20, 40 million. Yeah. See, Bill's mafia says, sorry, I said he heard anywhere from 20 to 40 million. That seems to be, I think a couple other outlets kind of said that 20 to 40 million. Yeah. 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 It definitely wasn't higher than I expect. I know it wasn't, I know, I know it wasn't $500,000. I'm just saying like, I was thinking maybe in like a handful of millions. I didn't, I didn't know that it was like 20 to 40. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it actually was. I don't know if we're, we're ever going to find out unless Tony just comes out and says it to correct these reports, but. That is what the uh, the uh, some some credible writers and, and journalists have have said. I love that either Tony Khan loves Cody so much that he's like, "Here's your own promotion," or he just wanted 
Cody to stop annoying him so much with his Cody verse in AEW that he's like, here's your own promotion. Either way, what a great friend Tony Khan is. It's either a lot of love or a lot of annoyance, but bless Tony Khan uh, for, for what he did with that. I had something else to say about this and I, because based on what you were talking about, Oh, the, the, with the library and stuff, HBO max, they're just going to look at, Oh, now you've got, you know, 3 million hours of content with this ROH tape library. Sure. This looks a lot more attractive than, you know, your, your 3000 hours of content with AEW dark and everything. So that they're going to love that. If, if AEW goes to HBO max, and I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point, Pay-per-view's got to be included for me, and I don't think they will be. No offense to, you know, the, all HBO Max just acting as an archive for all this stuff. I am not the person who sits around and just, like, likes to watch old wrestling. Like, sometimes I'll throw it on, and it's fine. Like, I'll throw on something on uh, WWE Network. Maybe maybe I'll watch WrestleMania Season 13, Episode 1 every now and again. Uh, but like, I don't like to just sit around and like watch old shows. It'd be great for new fans. It'd be great for fans who haven't been there from the beginning. I've been there from the beginning. I've seen a lot of this stuff. I'm probably just not going to like go back and, and rewatch a lot. Of it. I won't get full use out of it. I need the pay-per-views because that's the draw with WWE on Peacock for me. It's like, oh yeah, I'm paying five bucks and I get all these pay-per-views for free. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also just, just when, when WCW sold, they sold for like two and a half, three million. And now yeah, granted pennies. And I know there was different circumstances and times have changed and, and TV is like more valuable in general. But like a big reason it sold for so cheap was because there was no TV distribution attached to it. Like they were pretty much just getting like the branding in the library or whatever. Right. Um, is that if that's the case for this? Because that's kind of what it sounds like, right? Like if they're not in Sydney Clear and they don't have any like TV put in place that they're like purchasing like any kind of rights from or anything, it's hard for me to believe that WCW would be worth two and a half million, but ROH would be worth twenty to forty. I I do I do not know. I can't imagine ROH being worth that much, but it, it's negotiation, right? Like WCW, they just by that point they were just done with it. Because there wasn't, there just wasn't much value, especially with the TV not attached. They, you know, they didn't get a bunch of the the big contracts either. They they were they had to wait out all of that stuff. There are, but I mean, there are no contracts when it comes to to uh, ROH. I don't I don't know. It could have just been a lot of negotiation where they were offered one thing and then they just kept driving it up. And Tony just said, "All right, fuck it. Like I'll just pay whatever at this point." And Tony was Tony, this absolute lunatic, just decided to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to hear more about this as as time passes and like more information comes out because I mean WCW even when they went out of business they were polling probably what between three and four million viewers even at that time maybe a little less maybe in the twos or they were doing millions of viewers higher number than Ring of Honor has ever had I mean like most of their stuff combined probably doesn't do what I mean I just can't imagine the value being that. That Ring of Honor did time. me, you, Joseph, and O'Neill, and those were the only people that watched it during the pandemic. Nobody else watched that show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's unfortunately true. <laughs> our uh, honor hour for life. So, um, yeah. Bob of Honor. <laughs> um, but yeah, that said, it is it isn't comparing apples to apples. It's an apples to oranges type thing. But it just got my wheels spinning a little bit, thinking like. There's no way Ring of Honor could have been that much more valuable. I mean, there's no way it was more valuable than WCW to begin with. But the WCW, that that was a whole other situation. And it got it got sold for pretty much pennies at the time. But anyways, um, 
but yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, what do you think? Like, I guess like if you had to put one answer on this, like does ring of honor, like, what do they do? Do they run weekly television? Do they just go to like a GCW type model? What I would do is I would put, I would link them with GCW as often as I could, like anywhere GCW is going I'd have ring of honor right there, like Mm -hmm. with them working hand in hand, just to, just to get as much buzz as they could out of the wrestling world right now. I would kind of bring it back to the old ring of honor days, which is sort of what GCW is doing and just kind of run your weekly events. Don't even worry about television. Use it for guys who are kind of on dark, who just maybe want to work more in the live crowd, get the live crowd experience. Like you get some experience on dark and everything, uh, especially elevation since they taped that before dynamite, but involve guys more in those sort in those storylines that just aren't tell like you know jay lethal is never on television tony niece is never on television they sign these guys they they don't do anything anything with them the wingmen they're they're barely on television have them and actually like run some storylines and stuff with them as part of roh and then bring in other talent and things like that the problem if you're doing that is like people are just gonna know it's just like be stuff because it's like okay well AEW that's where your actual top stars are and that could be like not the best optics but I you know when if Tony Khan is running it I don't know how other any other optics you're going to present it as because it's always going to be B stuff you're not going to have Brian Danielson CM Punk and these guys like they might show up for cameos their main stuff is not going to be on Ring of Honor so it's just always going to kind of look like like B level stuff if I'm Tony Khan, I'm honestly just passing it off to somebody else. I have the tape library. I think that's the big draw. I'm just like, here, somebody else, like this man already does enough. He doesn't need to try running a second wrestling promotion as an actual wrestling promotion beyond just booking a bunch of cool pops and dream matches. And so that's why he does an AW anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all very, very true. Um, I saw, I saw a comment in here about the number of, the sale, I think Bill's Mafia um, said that Andrew Zarian said it this morning. Now, if this is true, this makes a lot more sense. And would, Zarian would, doesn't know shit. <laughs> you said that, not me. I, I, I like the guy. <laughs> um, I like I like what they do over there. But that said, um, it says that he said that WWE paid $4 million for WCW, but then they agreed to run $20 million in ads for Warner over the next year. So it really was a value at like $24 million. Now, if that's true, this makes a lot more sense. A lot more sense to me. Shout um, out to Andrew Zarian. I, I yeah. like Zarian. I just he 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 knows a lot. He was the one that really fueled the AW streaming on HBO Max stuff yesterday, and I do think that is going to happen at some point. That obviously was not the big announcement yesterday. Zarian is right more often than he is wrong, but I'll still bury him. He, he didn't hang out with me in Chicago last year. He likes Joel Pearl. I don't know who likes Joel Pearl. <laughs> Zarian does. That's a big strike against them. That's honestly the biggest. That's a red flag. Yeah, that's, that's big the biggest flag. strike against them. Speaking honestly. of uh, Joel Pearl, y'all can watch me and him playing some Mario Kart tonight around uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Twitch.tv. We might still be doing game. this show at 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be a transition where like I turn this camera off and go right into Skype for uh, for gaming. But <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming tonight if y'all want to play some Mario. If you have a... If you have a Nintendo Switch, you can play Mario Kart with us. We, we'll give you the, the tournament code. Uh, I'm going to catch up on some Super Chats, and then we'll get into the other AEW topic. Uh, Mark Lossberry says, Finally getting a chance to catch the Prince of Fightful and the Workhorse Live. I'll let you two figure out which is which. <laughs> Keep killing it, mates. I don't know which is which. You work very hard, Steven Jensen. I'd uh, like to think 
I'm the workhorse, but I could be yeah. a prince. I, I'm Ooh. second in command. When when Sean when the other uh, when the other dirt sheet writers get together in the bathroom and talking about uh, you know how they're gonna, <laughs> what a good story. They're gonna do in Sean Ross Sap, I will be I will be in charge of this website and it'll go downhill very fast. This, I don't know anything, so I, I could be the prince. You could be the workhorse. Yeah, I figured that he meant that you were the prince. Um, I'll take. I mean, if you want to label me as a workhorse, I will <laughs> gladly accept it. You can call me workhorse man because I like yeah, yeah. JD Drake and Anthony Henry. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I I wouldn't. I would never refer to myself as a workhorse. But uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate the super chat and the kind words. I'm glad you were able to catch the show as well. Mark also says, for someone as rich as TK, $40 million is nothing. Bar- bargaining chip and contract negotiating to say, I can walk away and start a streaming service. Yeah, I... I don't. I don't know about the the forty million. I don't know what that's that's true or not. I really don't. So we somebody said Triple H should run it. Honestly, yes. Oh wow. Uh, Mark Lothar also says this sounds like the greatest train wreck of it. I assume you're just talking about the show, Mark. Like this show that we're doing right now is just a complete <laughs> train wreck, and you're in, and that's why you're 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 uh, hanging out with us. Uh, Ricardo L. Idolohausen says here's some love, guys. Free Ali, appreciate you, Ricardo. One of the best. Ricardo's that guy. Appreciate showing some love, buddy. Um, and he also said, lovely idea of Rhodes of Honor. Lots. I mean, we we talked about it. We we talked about it that Cody Rhodes and the Fiend. I want the Fiend involved. All right, that's what we need. That is what we need. Uh, and JJ says, where does this leave Impact? TK wants a monopoly. If, JJ, you're Mister Impact. It's not going to die. It leaves them in the same spot they've been for 20 years now. All right, they're just there. They exist. That's it. That's where it leaves Impact. Very true. Very true. But I wouldn't be surprised if he bought them too. Mad King says, if there's ever a AW New Japan Supercard, what is the headliner? Hangman versus Okada, title versus title. I think it is probably Omega versus Okada. You don't need titles for any of this stuff because you're not going to unify those titles or anything. So I think you just do like matches for the sake of matches, which is fine. And I think you'd probably do Omega versus Okada because, I mean, it's Omega versus Okada. Again. Yeah, or Omega versus Abushi, or Abushi and Omega teaming against like a big, a big time tag team, like a, a mix of, of maybe both companies or Okada and like Hangman, that. Okada and Okada and Punk, Okada and Danielson. Oh fuck, Omega and Abushi really versus Okada and Danielson. Oh shit, Give me Omega that. and Okada versus this is just me as a fan versus Ishi and Kingston. <laughs> 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 I look, look i'm all for i want ishi and kingston like in a match like that's a match i'm doing fuck i'm teaming like give me them yeah. just knocking the shit out of each other that's yes. what i want um other are other are which other aew topic cm punk and mjf we we saw it coming right 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 steven jensen cm punk mjf we knew mjf was going to be a dick again he was go ahead Oh, no, literally last week, I was like, I saw him do this exact thing in Southern yeah. Underground Pro where he did this exact speech and then kicked the dude in the nuts right afterwards. I'm like, this is exactly the same thing, just with the added layer of like CM Punk being involved with, with the story. But uh, not that I didn't like it. I absolutely, I absolutely love this. But like, 
there were people out there that thought he like MJF had just like turned baby face. It's like no, 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 no. Like this. I mean, he did for for a week. He did turn baby face for a week, but we knew it wasn't going to last. It was just a matter of not not if, but when. And you figured it would happen this week, but you, maybe they kept it going until the pay per view, and then Punk has reservations about doing stuff at the pay per view, and then MJF comes out and just you know knock, knocks the hell out of him and shows no remorse and then punk has to re rechange his whole game plan but no he kicked him in the dick last night uh he hung him he cut a a cm punk promo on him i'm sure everybody got the references of you know the the greatest trick the devil ever pulled and everything all that stuff with, with cm punk uh what he said was summer punk and everything so it it went where i expected it to go but here is is why it's my spotlight because i'm very interested in this finish in that MJF should maybe win, especially if you're setting him up for a world title run going into double or nothing. Like, I don't think he should lose this match. I understand they could easily rebuild him between now and May when double or nothing is, but like, I would probably have MJF win arguably the biggest match of his career. I know a challenge for the AW title once before I would have him win this match. Um, if I, I would have him win this match, all right, the, the EP segment that we're out of Oreos, and now I'm I'm furious that we have no <laughs> oh, Oreos. Dude, that you can't have that. No, I gotta I gotta go to the store after this and get get a bunch of Oreos. Um, do, you ever, do you ever dip Oreos in peanut butter? Peanut butter. I use peanut butter sometimes on Oreos. What? Really yeah, it's really good. I I learned it from uh, I think it was like it takes two. It was like one of those old movies, like the Olsen twins. I, I think it was where they were like uh-huh. the Parent Trap. It was one of those two movies. Anyways, I love Oreos. I eat Oreos all the time. I actually just ate Oreos last night. I did. Yeah, I love Oreos. Peanut anyway. butter, though. I don't. Not know. all. Not, listen, not always, but like it is. It is a uh, to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I did. It's in the chat. Put a one in the chat if you have done Oreos <laughs> and peanut butter and you like it. Two in the chat if you've never done it. Anyway. Put a put a three in the chat if you have done it and think it's the most disgusting thing in the world. Because I I'll do it tonight. All right. I, I will do it. I, I'll do Oreos and peanut butter tonight. I'll give my review on, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, people, Jensen, you're crazy for doing peanut butter and Oreos. That just sounds, oh, uh, Armand has done it. Let's go. What'd you think? What'd you think, Armand? Was it good? Like Ricardo? With Ricardo? The okay. I, I want to know what you guys think about this. Fuck this MJF punk topic. We're just talking about Alpha Oreos. Tank. You know, dude, there's there's more people with the one and then a two in here right now. Oh man, I don't. I, I like think, I'm I feel all like crazy. I should be upset about this. I mean, do you like Reese's and stuff? Or do you like peanut butter? Oh, I love Reese's. Together? Reese's are okay. Like Reese's. So like what my I do, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell I'll tell you what I do. Okay. I take I take one of the Oreos, like the full Oreo, and I uh I take some peanut butter, not a ton, just a little gob of peanut butter, and I put it on top of the Oreo, right? Nice little, nice little amount of peanut butter. Then take another Oreo and I put it on top of that, so it's like a mega Oreo with peanut butter in the middle, and I just eat the whole thing. So good. I don't know about this. Do you do you like uh, the like the different style of Oreos that they have? Like, Not really. I, I don't yeah. veer out too much. Um, double stuff is about as crazy as I'll get, but like all the like random. I just saw like a wrestler reviewing random Oreos the other day. Who was that? There was like, I think it was a girl. Somebody was like, does Oreo reviews in, in like AEW or something. And they were doing like these weird Oreo flavors. Is it? The, I feel it like was the bunny. bunny. It was the yeah, bunny. Because she did it with Danhausen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but anyways, no, I, I, I generally don't like, I've tried some of the other ones, but in all honesty, I think the best ones are just the original, like double stuff is okay. Like I'll eat double stuff. I'll never complain about it. But I think just like the regular old school OG Oreo is just the best one. still. I, I agree. I like birthday cake. If you ever have birthday cake Oreos, those are, those are very good. Um, I've had the mint ones. They're not bad as well. I want to do something dumb like this. I'm just, I feel like Denise tried this or something of like something that there's just like a lot of like chips. There's like a million chip flavors. I just want to review chips and put that shit on overbooked. MLJ does that on Twitter. Sometimes he just gets like a random bag of chips from like a company he's never had before. And he just like reviews them for a couple minutes. Yeah. It's, it's good content. It's uh, I'm glad that this uh, has so much to do with wrestling. That, um, <laughs> hey, but, you tied it. You tied it in with the bunny reviewing Oreos, so true, it true. worked. We brought it back around. All right, MJF, uh, MJF and CM Punk. I'm interested in this finish because I wouldn't have MJF lose if you're setting up for the world title. But there's the Wardlow factor, and like after he slapped him last night, I could see this being where Wardlow does his turn on MJF to help CM Punk. That's sort of what I'm leaning at for this show. I'm leaning at Wardlow turning on MJF. Now, does it happen before or after the match? Because he could hypothetically help MJF win the match. And then after the match, after MJF celebrates and everything, Wardlow's like, all right, I helped you. Fuck this. I'm done with you. And then that's the, the big program coming coming out of it. Uh, what? How are you booking this finish, Steven Jensen? Okay, so I have to preface this by saying there's probably no one in the world that wants to see MJF win this match more than me. Like I am so all in on MJF. I want him to be the next AEW world champion. Huge fan, right? Talk about him all the time. That said, I do think CM Punk's going to win this weekend. Um, And I do think it will have to do with Wardlow because a big part of the last match, even though, and here's the, there's layers to this, right? MJF has technically beat him, beat him twice. So like, he'll always have that claim of like, I'm two and one against punk. Doesn't mean I can't go after the world title. I've already beat this guy twice. So he got lucky against me one time and Wardlow helped him. So how good is he really kind of thing? Um, In the first match, Wardlow directly influenced the finish of the match by like sneaking that weapon to MJF. And this match, I think something similar will happen where Wardlow will have a chance to help MJF and he won't. And it'll cost him the match at the very end. Um, Where I'm worried is Wardlow and MJF going forward because I feel like you have to put Wardlow over MJF when that happens. But I don't want Wardlow to be in like the world title mix at the time, uh, at this time. And I don't want MJF losing anytime soon either, especially if he's going to lose to Punk this weekend. So like, I'm intrigued to see when Wardlow and MJF actually wrestle, maybe they'll like really, really slow. I mean, they've slow built it up to this point for, you know, since the beginning of AEW, but maybe it'll be months down the road still, even after he turns, but like, they'll be, they'll be linked, but like they won't have the match for a few months or something. I don't know. But my point is, I think CM Punk will, I think he's going to win. I don't think that they're going to put him in this spot where he loses twice in his hometown of Chicago to MJF. And then he gets the piss beat out of him last night on Dynamite. And by the way, just a little uh, wink, wink to anybody ever who watches wrestling that might not know this for whatever reason. If if you ever see wrestlers wearing all white that normally don't wear white, yeah. there's going to be a <laughs> lot of blood. Okay, so like I was totally the second I saw CM Punk wearing an all white shirt, not he was paying tribute to Brian Danielson. Right, yeah, right, Brian sure. Danielson shirt. <laughs> But then it was like MJF came out and like all white too. And I was like, oh, there's going to be so much blood here in a second. Yeah. And uh, 
So that's just a little, uh, little rule of thumb usually. for If you see a wrestler wearing white that normally doesn't, they're usually trying to get over the fact that they're a baby face now or there's going to be a lot of blood or both. Um, that said, I just don't think... See, once again, me personally, I want to see MJF just win again. Like, no matter how big of a dick this guy is, no matter how big of... He's the devil. He said it himself. And he's referring... He's referencing Punk, like you said, from, from years back and... And if this dude just went out there, and especially if he didn't use any help, if he just beat CM Punk, just beat him down, beat him up, and actually just beat him, I think that'd be incredible. I would love to see that as a fan. But I don't think that's a realistic thing, and I don't think it's necessarily the best thing for AEW's like business. Because CM Punk is still, he's one of the most famous guys they've got. He's still very, very good in the ring. He's doing great work on the microphone he's you know he gets a massive pop every time he's he's out there in front of the fans like um so i think the only the only way the only way mjf wins this match in my opinion is if he wins and cm punk is ultimately the one to beat mjf for the world title like a year from now like if they came back to it and that was cm punk's big redemption on mjf was was winning the title from him because he'd be 0-3, 0-2, however you look at it. But I think it's just way more likely that Punk gets the win back this weekend. And uh, and like you said, it doesn't really hurt MJ. I mean, I don't, once again, in a perfect scenario, MJF just wouldn't be losing heading into a title shot against Hangman. But And we, we don't know if he is going to get uh, this title shot. Uh, people in the right. chat have mentioned, like, you know, double or nothing. They don't see MJF challenging for the title at double or nothing. I, th- I think we kind of feel it's on that path because he is the hottest heel in the company. And I mean, Hangman needs something to like really sink his teeth into uh, right now. I don't think the Adam Cole storyline has been great. And I, I don't think it should main event. I think the dog collar match same should main event. And I do think like, especially based on this feud, it's MJF's time. Honestly, yeah. like it feels like MJF's time. That's why we think he will be the challenger for double or nothing. Obviously he might not. And if he's not, then sure, he can lose this match and it'd be fine. I'll add this too, just real quick. I think that I have to really think about it, but I've I've thought about it a little bit. I I think this is the best feud AEW has done in company history is CM Punk and MJF up to this point. Like, and if, and if the match, if the match delivers, which I guarantee you it will on Saturday, like this will, we talked about this a little bit last week, like hangman and Omega and that whole story and him winning the title and all that, in my opinion, this is, this is like the highest tier level of, of overall professional wrestling that I've seen in a really long time. Just uh, the, the story and the matches and how invested people are and how real things seem to be getting. And I, I, it's one of those things where like, I, you see, I saw MJF last night before he came out to like uh, confront punk. And there was like a legitimate, like eerie, uncomfortable feeling about seeing MJF just like, cause he, he, he gets out the end of your bones almost. We are like, this is the biggest piece of shit in wrestling. Like this guy is un just, there is not one redeeming quality about this guy, except for all the stuff he said last week, which was all true. But it's like, it's like, uh, it's almost like the Joker or something, right? It's like this villain origin story of like, yeah, bad stuff happened to you when you were younger. And now you're way worse than all the things that happened to you. Like now you're like the biggest reason that everybody else is miserable. And I just love how they lean into it with him. And, and it's just a different feeling. You feel like he's actually evil out there. And like, that's, 
And for a guy at his age with this talent, that's why another reason I'm just so high on him because he's he could be this guy for the next 15 years if he stays healthy. That's what's so you know impressive about all this. I mean, he said he's done after 10 years. He's going to Hollywood. He's he's making that leap. So like, if you believe that, and honestly, he probably has a big future there if that's where he he eventually wants to go. But you're right. If he does stick around for for longer. He can he can pretty much he can run wrestling with the the depth he can do the different things he can do. We talked about it a little bit last week, but like this guy just pulls you in, man. It, baby face or heel, like he's shown he could be a baby face if he wants to. He just he pulls you in, and that's why I think he should win on Sunday, and I think he should go on. He should win the the title at Double or Nothing. I don't know if that's where they're gonna go with it. I I think they should. Yeah, I, I think Tony Khan is a coward if he doesn't. If he does 50-50 <laughs> booking and just does CM Punk victory, I think it's cowardly. Have MJF win. Have him hold that over Punk. And like you said, come back and revisit this in, in, in six months to a year. And MJF being the champion and being the guy that CM Punk can't beat and then have CM Punk get his redemption in that way. Come back and revisit it. In that in that time, don't be a coward, Tony. Don't fifty fifty book MJF and CM Punk. But in there, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash fightful it's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with better help that's betterhelp.com slash fightful minds and mjf's mind especially as a character it's really more like 33 percent booking it because he's beating them <laughs> twice that's what mjf's fallback is going to be if he loses on saturday it's going to be i beat punk twice he beat me once i'm still better than cm punk and wardlow helped him went beat me you know like um i'll say this this is kind of my 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 prediction, right? When it comes to my Wrestle Rumble predictions, where I have money invested to try to win things, and I'm going based on like my my mind and not my heart, I'm picking CM Punk to win the match. But as a wrestling fan, you better believe I am all the way rooting for MJF to win this match. I I think Punk is going to win, and I will call Tony Khan a coward if CM Punk wins this match wait so do you think wait do you I, I don't know if you said that right you do think cm punk is gonna win yeah 
Okay. I, I do okay. think CM Punk's going to win. I think MJF should win. And I think you kick off the, the storyline with Wardlow after the match. I mean, Wardlow's going to be in the face of the revolution. That's going to play a factor. MJF said he could keep his title shot and everything. If Wardlow turns, you, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, if Wardlow turns, like Wardlow should probably beat MJF, but then MJF losing that when he's the champion. There's a lot of factors at play when it when it comes to this stuff. I would have MJF win this match. I'm not even sure if I would do the Wardlow turn yet. I would. I don't know if you could stretch this until the end of Double or Nothing. I'd try. I would definitely try. I think people are going to be upset if you tried to do that. Uh, somebody in the chat, and I guess this was said on the post show last night, of Wardlow just says a 90-day no-compete clause. Let him go work ROH. Let Wardlow go to ROH for a little while, and then when he comes back, he'll get a big pop. I would have MJF win this match. I, As far as what you're doing with Wardlow and everything, that's tough to figure out, and that's probably why CM Punk is going to win because they're going to – I don't think MJF will be the next challenger for the AW world title. I, as much as I think he should be going into double or nothing, I don't think he will be. And that's why CM Punk's going to win this match. Yeah. I, I and I, I think that it's, AEW can afford to do that too. When it comes to like, they don't have to do MJF beating Hangman by then. Like Hangman can have another quality win in May. He can, he can maybe lose in September or maybe he loses towards the beginning of the year or whatever. I mean, like they're, they're not in really any rush to, to make all of these things happen and their talent, uh, their roster is so stacked that like, I mean, you can pretty much plug and play like kind of what Adam Cole and hangman thing is this weekend. Like we didn't have a whole lot of meat on the bones and like the story itself, but we know it's going to be a banger of like an actual in-ring match. Same thing with Archer. Like you just knew it was going to be something good. You know, like it, it, I need, on. I need some meat on the bones when it comes to the world title, though. The Archer mm-hmm. thing I didn't think was good because he'd been losing and he just attacked. They just gave him bullshit wins, and Cole kind of feels the same way. I think they left a lot of meat on the the Adam Cole story, and they rushed it because, like, they had him lose the Orange Cassidy. I, I don't, I don't like this Hangman and, and Adam Cole match. Should be great. I, it feels very hollow to me. So I need something. Whatever Hangman Page does next, going into double or nothing, assuming he's still the champion, I need it to be like an actual good feud and not something that's just like, ah, number one contender. He lost this match to Orange Cassidy that didn't count on the records, but he beat Evil Uno. That's cool. Like, I need an actual story for Hangman Page. That's fair. I think that's totally fair. Um, So, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, we're kind of all on the same page where, like, it's clear that MJF is going to be their world champion. It's just a matter of like when they do it and kind of the thing, the unknown is the Wardlow feud. Like that's really yeah. the unknown of like when that all takes place and who wins. And cause you got to assume Wardlow will beat him. Otherwise, like you almost kind of wasted like a three year long build for the breakup. Yeah. Um, but I also am not, I'm nothing against Wardlow, but like, if it's my choice, it's like, who am I pushing Wardlow or, or MJF? I'm going MJF 10 out of 10 times. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, you know, but with that said, Punk and MJF should be the main event. I, I think of, of, of the pay-per-view. I'm, I agree with you on that. Uh, let's move on to our other spotlight. And Mark's going to set us up here. It says impact is a cockroach and that they'll survive the next evolutionary cataclysm. They're Twinkies, man. They ain't going nowhere. Uh, your spotlight for other apparently there's an impact show this week i forgot the name of it 
Uh, on, on our, uh, yeah, I, I completely <laughs> forgot the name of it. Uh, but Jay White is here to tell us the name of it. Sacrifice! 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 Sorry, I blew Thank- that. I didn't know you were setting up for something there. I thought Thank you legitimately you. didn't know the name of it. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> no, on the the show that um, you you were fine. The show that I did, Pillar to Post, we, we, we had our roundtable thing. I called it No Surrender. I was like Impact No Surrenders on Saturday, and all the panelists like, huh, what? And they're like, oh, it's sacrifice, Jeremy. It's like, oh shit. All right, sure, it's sacrifice. I completely botched the name of it on that show. That's why I was setting that up. Um, Heath is challenging for the world title. Jen, I don't have much to say about this, Jensen. I this show, I'm sure it'll be fine, and people will be like, "Oh, Impact knocked it out of the park," and then they won't watch the television ever again. I can't. Heath challenging for the world title. I ain't got nothing to say. All right, I there's just it's Heath. Bless him, fine wrestler. Heath against Moose. I ain't watching that shit. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, my, my spotlight this week for other category is in fact, um, Heath getting a world title shot against Moose. Um, this was kind of all set up. Moose came out and he did this promo about, you know, he's the champion that needs to be acknowledged and he's running down all these people that he defended the title against and retained the belt over and all this stuff. And of all the people on Impact's roster, oh, it's not Ace Austin. It's not Chris Bay. It's not Willie Mack. It's not even Josh Alexander. Heath comes out. And then not only that, he gets the better of Moose in the ring. Like he beats him up, Moose retreats, and he's Heath is standing there with the Impact World Title held high over his head. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and, and say all the stuff I always say about all the, the, the names that I just mentioned and about why, like, why aren't they pushing these guys? But this just kind of goes to my point. Like, you got all this talent, all this young, pretty much unexposed to the world talent. And you're going to Heath as your world title challenger? Like, that's pretty much all I can say about it, too. It's just, it's like, it's mind-boggling. Like, nothing against Heath, but, like, come on. You know? I feel like you feel the same way that I do about this. Mark Losberg says, maybe Punk <laughs> turns heel in this match. Maybe. Maybe Punk will We're turn We're going back to talking about <laughs> Yes! I'm not talking about Heath and Moose! I'm not doing it! I'm not doing it! I didn't forget y'all super chat guys. I'm, I'm I got the, uh, the the bit going here. Uh, Mar- he also says Wardlow and MJF goes to double or nothing. Punk shows heel tendencies during the match, beats MJF, then goes to Hangman. That's my prediction. That's not bad. I I've been waiting for heel CM Punk. We saw some instances of it in the Eddie Kingston feud. Uh, I've been waiting for that, and I do think that's eventually the direction it will go. So I'm not mad at that. Uh, and then, then Kirpin Wah says, here late, here high. Uh, do you think Owen Zane and AJ regret resigning after the ROH news? Keep doing such wonderful work, you two kisses. I don't think they regret it. That, that money, maybe if Tony had paid them more instead of, you know, $40 million for ROH, they would have signed. All right? That's on Tony. Yeah. Well, kisses. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, I to, to go back to the last Super Chat, like I've been fiending for CM Punk to turn heel. So like, trust me, I, I, I can't wait for whenever that happens. And Hangman is like such an obvious, just great story for the title. Cause, cause that's another thing. If Punk beats MJF, I'm fine with Punk and Hangman if Punk turns heel, especially if a big part of the story is based around him not respecting that, that Hangman is like this alcoholic and all this stuff like that. Like that's just so up CM Punk's, you know, wheelhouse of, of 
you know, who his character is and who he is as a person and stuff to, to call him out for that kind of stuff. I, I think that it would be, um, I, I could see that. I, I, I think it's, it, you know, once again, I think MJF beating hangman is like, that's the right move in my opinion, but I'm not completely opposed to, to CM Punk beating hangman. If, if the story's right and it turns punk heel, um, especially because we talked about it last week, if there's any way to get sympathy or to turn the fans towards someone like MJF, it's like, you got to have a bigger dick of a heel around. And like CM Punk is a heel is dastardly. Like that dude goes for the throat in the stuff that he'll say about people. Yeah. He mentioned it uh, last night in his promo. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, I poured alcohol down an alcohol's throat. Like I talked about drug issues and then the guy, guy got released. Like he is. And I do wonder if like he even wants to play that kind of biting heel anymore, especially with MJF around because MJF is that kind of biting heel. So I do wonder if CM Punk even wants to like go there. I do think he'd be great as a heel. I just don't know if that's anything that he wants to do at this point, at least to that level. He can still yeah. be a heel, but I don't know if he's if he's going to go to that level. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I don't know. But it was great to hear him address that stuff, like acknowledge it. Um, so you word that gets used a lot in wrestling now, huh? Acknowledging people. Um, but yeah, so I'm with you. Thanks for the super chats, y'all. Uh, Any thoughts at all about Heath? I mean, I, I mean, I, I know that that, that that's a. And by the way, it's a very valid. Um, uh, like if your if your answer is basically just like, this is lame. I'm not into it. Like that's very valid. Like that's just that might be all we need to say about it. Like I, no one's talking about this pay per view. I don't know. I don't know if we're even doing a post show for this thing. Like I'm usually on there with Denise. I haven't heard anything yet. I don't know if like Fightful's even covering this show. I have no idea. Um, that's how little people are talking about it. Um, that said, I hope it doesn't overlap with uh, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal this weekend. But that's a whole other conversation in itself. So. How do you feel um, about Heath, world champion? World I'd champion rather, match. I'd huh? much rather talk about Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal fight than talk any more about this farce of an Impact world title match that they are trying to sell to people. I guess it's on Impact Plus, so if you have that subscribed... You already get it, but yeah, I, I have nothing else to say. No, nothing else to say about it. Yeah, it's a- good luck to anybody watching that show. I, I know Jay White's on it. I love Jay White. Him and Alex Shelley should be a great match. Look, man, you're not gonna convince me that Moose and Heath is a, is a world title match. I don't care if it's a two week program. Maybe don't do a pay per view two weeks after you do one. How about that? Like, how about space these things out? So you have time to build challengers and you're not relying on Heath, the guy who he had, a, he had the funny line because he was in the ring with Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar made the line better. He said, I don't give a damn about your kids. Maybe do that. Space out your pay-per-views. Heath and Moose. It's Heath, I'm sure. I'm sure Moose yeah. would say it's great Heath. <sighs> I'm going to beat up Heath in front of his kids. It's fantastic. How's that Josh Alexander redemption story working out for you? Your Ooh. company sucks, JJ. Oof. So Jay White is the most important thing in Impact right now. That's a pretty gigantic indictment. Yeah, and I don't know how long he's going to be there for. So you may as well, you know, again, actually use him as something instead of, I look, I'm all for Jay White and Alex Shelley, but I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'll say this real quick, um, just because we did bring up Masvidal and Covington. Um, just for anyone who's interested, we're not, we're not doing a watch along for it this weekend, but 
if you if you do want to watch the UFC this weekend, um, even if you're not into MMA, this is the most pro wrestling style oh, yeah. MMA feud and fight like you'll probably ever get to see. Like these guys, I mean, y'all people might not even realize this. Dan Lambert was their coach. Like, you know what I mean? So like Dan Lambert had Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. So there was like all this speculation that this entire thing just is a work and stuff. And it's and it, it, I'm not saying that it is, but there's there this whole thing is a pro wrestling storyline that they that they've put together with one another and all this this hate that they have for one one another and stuff. So if you ever were going to give MMA a chance as a wrestling fan, this is probably the show to check it out. It's not even for a title, but it's just like a it's 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 pro wrestling in the octagon essentially. So I'll watch it. I'm looking forward to it. I think Covington probably just holds him down for five minutes, but if not, should be should be fun. The, the build up, Colby. yeah, the build up's been yeah, stupid pro wrestling fun. So yeah. for it, uh, my other spotlight is Jeff Jarrett. He's going to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship within the next three months or so. He's been announced as a special guest referee for Cardona and all this. Uh, there's got to be some shenanigans involved somehow on this i don't know if jared is going to screw over cardona to help all this i don't know if he's going to help cardona and then screw him over i just know jeff jared is going to wrestle for the nwa world's heavyweight title at some point in the next three months that's what i know yeah i think you're right i think you're right i don't know uh, i'm assuming i'm gonna assume that cardona beats all this and Jarrett pretty much calls it down the middle. And then after the match, he hits Cardona in the head with a guitar or something. Like, um, even though Cardona is a heel in NWA, like. Yeah, but uh, Jeff, Jeff would be the baby face. Jeff is the conquering. Oh, that's true. Baby face of like, he's, he's here to restore the tradition back to the NWA. You got Matt Cardona going to GCW with the title. Jared doesn't like GCW. He went in there and he beat Effie and everything. Oh. He's got it. <laughs> he's got it. You know, he, he, Cardona's trying to reimagine NWA. He wants he wants the the bigger sets and the bigger social media following and stuff. Jeff Jarrett's going to be like, we're about tradition, and you know, we're about the nostalgia and everything. That's what the 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 three fans that that are left are going to eat up. So, Jarrett's the Jarrett's the baby face. Yeah, it's funny. Money marked it in the chat says uh, that Jarrett's the cockroach of wrestling i actually did an article for fightful magazine it's like the most recent one out and the title of my article was matt cardona is the cockroach of wrestling <laughs> so it's kind of funny that um but uh but yeah i i think that jeff jarrett will win the nwa world heavyweight championship again especially if he decides that he doesn't want to lose like a gcw so um yeah i i don't uh i, I guess it just is what it is i i don't i mean do you i guess i'll ask you like is there anybody like if, if like you're the nwa you're billy corrigan you're people involved with nwa you're Selling like to tony khan for 10 million <laughs> right yeah that um but like what do you do like do you think jeff jarrett is like actually the best option for them to do something like this or do you think that matt cardona having the title gets them more buzz a kind of better buzz or like or is it just like it's the nwa and people just don't pay attention anyway so like yolo 
I mean, the best option is to to build a wrestling promotion that isn't just fully reliant on nostalgia. So you don't have to have Tyrus and Mike Knox <laughs> well, and, sure. you know, headlining <laughs> events. That's what I would do if I was Billy Corgan. I'd actually put together a competent wrestling promotion. That's why call me up, Tony Khan. Slide in the DMs, even though I'm going to call you a coward next week. But, you know, let me run ROH. Uh, given the choices in front of me, if I'm Billy Corgan – I probably just put the title on Jeff Jarrett, honestly. Like you're gonna get plenty of buzz off of that. You can then slip the title back to Cardona if you want to, but like it does it doesn't doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. Mark Lossberg says, Hear me out, guys. Jeff Jarrett beats Heath for the impact title after a run-in from I don't know, Ric Flair or something. Sure, that's fine. Je- impact needs some buzz right now. Like impact could could do something like that. Impact should partner with NWA. They got some type of partnership, right? Maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Well, they I feel like all these companies have some type of partnership. Well, there's a lot of overlap in talent right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there has to be some sort of friendly agreement to some degree. So yeah. I'd put the belt on Jarrett. Who cares? Just put the belt on Jarrett and just recreate his whole TNA run where he's just beating dudes after 30 ref bumps and a bunch of shenanigans and guitar shots. And everything TNA still surviving 20 years later after that. So I, I figure NWO would be fine if that's what they want to do. Yeah. Planet Jarrett. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I mean, I, the Ric Flair thing, I don't think is like that crazy of an idea either as like, nope. um, I honestly thought, and I know there's a lot of baggage with that, especially right now with dark side and all that stuff. I get it. But before that happened, when he was like mixing it up with Kenny Omega and triple a, they were like chopping each other and stuff. And then Ric Flair did this like whole speech on NWA. Uh, I think it was for NWA 73. I was like, they're going to put the NWA world's heavy title on this dude. Oh, it felt like, like, it. yeah, yes. um, it, it definitely, it definitely felt like it. And then dark side came out like right after that. I think there's been enough distance between that. Now he does his podcast every week where he spouts off his hot takes and everything. I, I think, I mean, obviously, that's still a big issue at this point. The the problem with Flair is that he's just become a shell and a parody of himself more than oh, okay. Hey, you know, you got these allegations from from Dark Side. It's just like I wouldn't touch Ric Flair because he's just become just uh, a, a maniac. Honestly, he is he's become <sighs> maniac. Maybe not the the best word, but he's he's become sad. Really, like it, it's it's just become sad. Like that's it watching rick flair do this shit it's just sad so that's why i wouldn't touch rick flair but that said nwa will probably do it they'll probably put the title on him Jarrett and flair the two most dominant nwa world heavyweight champions of all time buy it now nwa 74 live from i got we'll go back to the chase the chase in st louis yeah well <laughs> I mean, they can really dig deep and be like, Ric Flair was leader of the Four Horsemen, and Jeff Jarrett was the worst member in the history of the Four Horsemen. So that's not fair to Rick Martell. Was Rick Martell? Martell? No, no, you're thinking of uh, no, 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 you're thinking of uh, Roma, Paul Roma, Paul Roma. No, sorry, uh, apologies to Rick Martell. I, I'm, I might put Mongo ahead of Jarrett though, like for the little time Mongo Mongo was there. Fucking ruled, yeah. Yeah, okay, anyways. Um, yeah, so uh, Jeff Jarrett's probably win the NWA world title. I'm with you, Jeremy. I, I think that's going to happen as well. Yeah, 
Mongo ruled. Uh, Indie spotlight. We got to run through. We still got an interview with Cole Radrick to to, yeah. to air. That's like a thirty-five minute interview. It's our longest show ever. A lot. We have we have no hard out this week because we're not leading into anything this week. So yes, yeah, that's true. That is true. We're leading into leading into Twitch into Apparently, my own thing. Yeah, Twitch. Yeah, <laughs> Joel Pearl is going to be yelling at me like, "What are we doing?" Um, Indie spotlight. Mine is Joey Janela and, and X-Pac, Sean Waltman. That was announced for spring break. X-Pac made his return to the ring this past weekend, teaming with Janela against Cardona and Myers. I'd rather see Brian Myers get a world title shot in Impact than Heath. Uh, that's a different topic. Uh, but they they had their match after the match, after X-Pac and, and Joey Janela won. Janela turned on him, super kicked him. And then the next night, the challenge was laid down. It was made official. What do you think of Xbox return in this tag team match and then setting up the, the match at spring break? So a few things, physically speaking, he looked to be in really good shape when he came down to the ring. Like, like physically he looks healthy, right? Like for What's a up? guy. Yeah. And he's like 50. I mean, so it's he's like, not skinny, not skinny anymore. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, cause me and you, I mean, we remember when he was, I mean, he had, he had gotten, yeah. Yeah. And he had some really rough years and, uh, <clears throat> and to see him and on top of that like i am such a mark for the six ball t-shirt the old nwo <laughs> six ball t-shirt with that that green six ball and he has a gcw version of that now so i like i'd marked out hard for that it's like the gcw logo with that with that six ball on the back i i his his gear i thought was great it had like the six ball it had uh x-pop they called him x-pop like they marketed him as x-pop during the match which i thought was cool um he was gassed very gassed out yes. during the match. Yeah. Um, like, but he, but he, but he did everything he needed to, and he got all his spots. And like, the finish of the match was him hitting an X factor off the second rope through a door. Like, it was he did everything he needed to do. But then after the match, he's like trying to cut this promo, and he's like leaning against the ropes, like breathing heavy. And I'm not sitting here making fun of the dude. Like, I mean, no, yeah, wrestled no. like three years and everything. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I'm just, I'm just, this is just reality of of, yeah. of what happened and. Um, and he's cutting this promo and part of the reason I bought so into what he was saying was because of how gassed he seemed. And he was like, you know, I, 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 this is it. I, I, this is, I'm, I'm retiring. And like, everyone's like, oh, wow, this is an incredible moment. Like we got to see X-Pac come back. He looked really good in the ring. He gave it his all. He gave it everything he had. Like he can barely stand right now. And he's, he's telling us this is it. And like, what a moment. And I did not see that coming at all from Joe Janela. Like I usually see stuff like that coming. That one was like, and it reminded me of like the Hulk Hogan HBK, you know, the super kick that happened there and stuff like that too. And I was like, like this is this is pretty badass. Like I and I love that they've announced that match for spring break. Joe Janela has a history of having these types of matches with guys like Ricky Morton and stuff, guys that are well past their prime, but they have good matches and. uh, Janelle is the right guy to have this match with if you're if you're X-Pac. So uh I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that that spring break card is 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 coming along nicely. I love that they've announced AJ Gray and uh, John Moxley for the belt. Um, and I think AJ Gray is going to leave the collective uh, weekend as the GCW World Champion. At least I think that's what should happen personally. So yeah, man, I I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. What did you think about the return of X-Pac and uh, this whole thing leading to, to a match with him and Janela? I thought X Pac when when he announced his return, he said he was gonna he said he was gonna do more than more than one match. He wanted to go out on his own terms and everything. So I didn't think this is going to be 
his last match. I did not see this angle coming. I did not see this turn coming. It looked like a guy that hadn't wrestled in years. Uh, like you said, he, he was out of breath. I'm sure he, he would admit that himself. That or he's a great worker. Uh, yeah. the way he was he was huffing and puffing after the match. But he his, his stuff looked as crisp as it's going to look at his age and get for somebody who hasn't been in the ring that long. Um, and now he is setting up the, the match with Janela, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this. I am looking forward to a full Xbox run. I said it, I said it before when he announced his return. I want him doing just sort of like dream match kind of stuff. And I don't know if that's what he's going to end up doing. I don't know if he's going to wrestle every single weekend. I do think maybe he should get another match or two before he does the Janela match because I don't think it's great to to have so much time off. Uh with, with the with the current state that he's in after taking three three years off and everything like i would try to get a couple more reps in before stepping back in there which you know at least get get your win back and get get just your your ring bumps and your callus back on that with taking all those bumps uh so i hope he is announced for kind of a couple upcoming gcw or any kind of indie indie events i hope he's announced uh for for that stuff just so we can get get a little bit more ring time in before the janela match janela is obviously a great opponent for him because he's going to be loved or hated regardless. And a lot of it's just going to be off of story and emotion and not as much ring work. And Janela is underrated in the ring. I would say, I, I think people just kind of, they know him from his GCW work a little bit. They probably just know him for the, for the deathmatch stuff. He's not on AEW television. So they probably just don't realize that Janela is good in the ring. Um, that, that he's good in the ring and, and can carry something like this but i'm looking forward to to this match i thought the angle was great i love that they are doing an angle as much as i just want like hey xbox against you know blake christian xbox against alex zane just like these cool little dream matches that you never thought you would see i like that they're actually like doing some type of angle with them as well so i thought it was about as good as you were probably going to get and cardona and myers ate that shit up like in front of that crowd yeah. and everything they were they were the perfect foils for them i thought it was it was good as you're going to get for somebody who is 50 years old coming off these surgeries hasn't wrestled in forever he's looking healthy but somebody said thick pock like look man he ain't he ain't one two three lightning kid skin and bones he's he's got the gut on him he doesn't move as fast it's it's reality of life right but yeah for for everything that, that he's been through uh the personally and, and professionally and and just you know the surgeries and everything. I thought he looked good, and I'm I'm all I've always been a big fan of Xbox and Sean Waltman, so it was nice to see him back in the ring. For sure, for sure. And, and on the flip side, Joey Janela is in like the best shape of his life, also. Like, yeah, you know, he's he's really, um, so yeah, I I I like uh, I like where all this is heading, and I also hope that if it's something that Waltman wants to do, like I'd love to see him in like the Royal rumble next year or something like, you know, I mean, it sounded like he wanted to do it this year and they just didn't call him for some reason, which is unfortunate. They probably should have, but yeah, it'd be great if he wanted to do it next year too. Yeah. Um, and you know, speaking of GCW, I will be live at GCW next weekend here in Atlanta. So, um, looking forward to that. I'm going to try to get me some, uh, some interviews again, which is a good segue because my independent spotlight this week, was terminus because i was there live at that show as well and if y'all want to hear uh some interviews they got some quick audio interviews with uh baron black with adam priest and with nasty leroy nasty leroy was especially excited to talk because he was very offended that sean ross sap had interviewed cheeseburger recently and slandered his name and nasty leroy needed to get his side of this story out 
Um, the headline there for, for anyone who wants to write any stories about it, this is right up, up Jeremy's alley. Nasty Leroy has a beef with cheese. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, but so I'll, I'll try to get some interviews at GCW also. Um, I don't know what the setup's going to look like, but, um, I should have at least enough access to try to get some, some interview from somebody. Um, but terminus man how did that show come across uh watching it uh on fight tv and then i'll tell you you know what it was like live uh there there was not the the technical hiccups that they had the first show it was good but i mean the it's not the elephant in the room it was addressed on the show that ending was a big damper on the night like a pretty big damper on the night the the Jonathan Gresham's trying to fire the referee after the match. They're playing rock, paper, scissors and stuff. I, I'm glad they addressed it because it didn't come off well. And again, it would have been, I don't know if it would have been better or worse if they were just like, ah, that, you know, shit happens kind of thing. But Gresham just went out there and he addressed it. Um, that That's sort of, that was the biggest thing. Unfortunately, that was the biggest takeaway. I thought it was another good show. I still love the concept. It sucks that, these two shows, the first one had the tech issues that it did, and this one had the ending that it did. Because if they could put it together, it'd be a great promotion. It sounds like we're going to get Terminus 3, which is great. Uh, what was your live experience like? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, the, when, it, when you talk about that referee, uh, he was actually hanging out next to Adam Priest right before I interviewed Priest after the show. And the ref, like, he felt so so bad about that i would imagine so So bad he was apologizing to fans like as they were like leaving and it was like and i told them i'm like listen man no one's gonna remember this at the end of the day like the match between santana and um and gresham i thought was phenomenal like that was the that was the best i've ever seen i mean i, I love santana and, and, and his tag team I, i've been a fan since the eyfbo days like before they were even like lax and proud and powerful and all this stuff like i i'm a fan but like that was the best I've ever seen him, especially solo. I was like, this guy can really, really go. Um, it's really unfortunate that the, the ref just got, he got like the yips, you know, he just froze. Like he just, he didn't count the three for whatever reason. And, um, but the ref felt so bad. So I was telling him, man, like, you know, I was trying to make him feel better about it. And I think other fans were too. And I was like, man, you don't have to stand here and apologize to people. Like that's mistakes happen, man. It's just, bad timing that that mistake happened then i mean that's all at the end of the day nothing anyone can do about it you know um and hopefully he gets some redemption next show they bring him back for the next terminus he gets the main event and he he nails that three count and everybody rejoices and he gets his big his big web redemption but um everything else on the show was great man uh i watched most of the show with muscle man malcolm because he was nice. there also uh doing interviews and whatnot he actually worked the pre-show too for terminus which was really cool backstage um, got to meet the it's still real to, real to me damn it guy um, from the old viral videos I sent you a picture of that Jeremy he really badly wants to come on this show so we're gonna have him on the creator spotlight one week and we'll talk to him about that famous it's still real to me damn it um, he was a guy I had to get a picture with too because my brother who's not even into wrestling that guy's a legend to my brother because he remembers watching that with me forever ago so um, so that was cool um, shout out to Baron Black for the hospitality um, great dude he just the the whole everything is run very professionally there like even like jordan grace wasn't on the show but she was there and there were fans so my my thing is i'm a little weird if i'm in the car for a long time i like to just stand for long amounts of time so i stood the whole terminus event because it, the, the drive was like an hour from my place and i, I like 
being out and stretching and kind of walking around. And she was walking up to everybody who was standing like, Hey, I have extra chairs. Like anyone need chair? You know, she was just making sure people were comfortable. And, uh, I mean, it was just a really cool experience. AC Mack was there. He wasn't wrestling, but he was just there hanging out. And I had a chance to pull him aside and be like, what's up, man. Remember doing the interview for Fightful? And like, he was really happy to see me there. And, uh, so it was, it was just a really, really cool experience. And the, the building is perfect for Terminus. Like, did it come across? I haven't been able to rewatch it. Did it come across really, really loud in the building? Because I got a little feedback about that, but it, like it was loud in there. Yeah, they probably could have mic'd it a little bit better. Um, but it seemed like everyone you you could tell from the reactions that it was it was loud in the building. Um, yeah, they the, didn't have the tech issues that the first one did. But could they have mic'd it better? Probably. I think a lot of companies, especially newer companies, have trouble miking anyway. But I, I never felt like, oh, this crowd is just completely dead. Like I have with you know certain promotions that they they just they didn't like like the the GCW uh, Hammerstein show. Like mm, right. a lot of people who were there were like, oh, it was crazy all night. And like you watch that show, it was like, oh no, like it sounds dead for some of these matches. Uh, and and that, I never had that feeling uh, when, when it came to Terminus. Yeah, well that's good. Um, you know. That, Cause that was a bummer with the Hammerstein show. It really was like, it really seemed like the crowd wasn't into it, but people that were there live were like, no, we were way more into it than what it, what it showed on TV. But that, that Terminus show, man, from start to finish. And like some people got like real big ovations. Like I thought Serena Deeb got a really big ovation. I, I hope she isn't more of those shows. She's so perfect for Terminus. She is. Um, um, there was one that was, oh, Leon Ruff got a massive pop. Um, so there were, there was some kind of sleepers in there too, people that, you know, I'm a fan of, but I didn't know how, how receptive the crowd was going to be to everything. And, and they, they loved it all. Um, I love the sport aspect of it. I love the Baron Black and Jay Lethal match. Like it really looked like multiple times I thought Baron was going to get him. And I'm kind of waiting for Baron to get like that big win on Terminus, but because he's so, uh, such a big part of like putting that show together. Um, but it's like, you know, just talking to him after the show, he has this whole list of people he wants to wrestle. And, um, and yeah, so it, it was, it was, it was just a really cool experience all the way around. And, and I thought the show was really, really, really good. Like it was a great live wrestling show. The pacing felt good at no point that I think it was like dragging or going too long. Like they moved from match to match quickly. Every match was different than the others. Um, I mean, the thing started off on the pre-show with a British rounds match with Adam priest and, uh, Invictus cash. And like, you never see, British rounds matches in, uh, in the U S you know? So it's like, it was just a really cool thing. There was multiple, uh, matches that went to sudden death, which I think if you're a sport, like those things will happen. Uh, yeah, I, I love the show. I mean, huge shout out. If anyone hasn't seen it, I highly recommend going to fight TV, check out Terminus two. And, uh, once again, just huge thank you to Baron black. Like I've already talked to him about when Terminus three is going to be happening, like the, to be there for that too. So like, I, I hope to be a staple at all these Terminus shows. And that, that's one thing that I know Gresham believes a lot in. And I, I imagine I haven't talked to Baron Black, but I imagine he feels very similar of trying to make everything different. Because when you think of Terminus, especially when it comes to Gresham, you would want it to be um sorry. Uh you you would want you would want it to when you think of Terminus, you think like sort of like the technical kind of grappling stuff, and they announce different people and whatnot, but every match still has a different feel. And even with the the style that they present, you could think there should could be some overlap 
in, in everything. You, you mentioned the sudden death, multiple matches going to sudden death. You think, oh, well, you know, there's overlap. Why are they doing the same thing? Every match still does feel very different on that show because everyone does bring their own unique style to it. And I think Gresham and Baron Black are very meticulous in like laying out that kind of stuff when, when it comes to putting the show together and then with who they're choosing and who they're matching up as well. And that's one thing I really love about tournament skin. They just have one thing that just it, it overshadows what a good show it actually is. Like that's sort of, that, that's unfortunately what is held back. Both shows is it's just, the show is great, but First one, technical issues. This one, referee issue. It is that one thing that's like, this is what kind of people are talking about coming out of it. And it's unfortunate because these shows are fantastic. Yeah. And and to be fair, I, I'm not, this isn't an excuse, but this is just kind of a point. Um, like GCW, they have these kind of problems almost all the time where like the te- there's technical issues. They don't know if it's their fault or Fight TV's fault or whatever, but they just kind of move past it. You just kind of get used to it. As weird as it is, like, I just get used to the idea that like the crowd's going to be mic'd weird. I get used to the idea that like MLJ, like I'm just going to kind of hear his voice going in different volumes throughout the show and stuff like I, but I'm not saying that's good. I hope that they fix these things, but like, it doesn't take away my overall experience watching the show. Now that said the referee thing, that's just a freak thing. It's just unfortunate, but like the actual technical issues, the first show I heard there was quite a bit of those. I got, I got a lot of that feedback. Yeah. Was there, was there really any of that? The second show there, or was it mainly just the referee botch? That was like the issue. It was mainly the referee botch. There was no tech issues to where they had to issue apologies and the fight TV feed cutting and everything like that. Uh, those, those were definitely cleaned up. The, the tech issues were more of just like kind of your, your run of the mill, like the miking of the crowd, like kind of issue production issues that, a lot of indie companies are still going to run into, especially one on their, their second show. But the referee botch was the thing that just sort of just highlighted the entire show. Okay. Highlight, yeah. Highlighted in a bad way of like what the overarching thing of like, oh, okay, this might've happened. That might've happened. That wasn't good. But we kind of forgot about it because of the, the referee issue. Right. And what was so unfortunate about that particular referee issue is that the finish was done so well. Yeah. Like they were just going ham in there, just false finish after false finish after false finish and just reversals, reversals, reversals. It was, it was great. And then like the rat, and this probably came across exactly how it did in the building, um, like volume wise or whatever on, on fight, but like no one made a sound. It was very, yeah. The actual three count happened. Yeah, Yeah. Very dead. Yes. Um, cause they had to go right to that jackknife cover. It was like just pin. And then it was like, and no, yeah, just dead silent. And yeah, that referee, you could see it on his face where he's just like, Oh no. And I immediately just felt so bad for that guy. Um, so yeah, like I said, hopefully he's at the next show. Hopefully we get a rematch. I mean, I'd like to see a rematch between the two. I'm not going to sit here and say like, I don't know if they can outdo themselves from the first match. I don't know, but their first match was really, 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 really good outside of that finish. Um, let John let Jonathan Gresham run ROH alongside me and Steven Jensen. Uh, let him run ROH, just turn in a terminus. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Shabogan leads us a humper chat. It says the titles being unimportant is less about the number and more about the, the way they're treated. You can make all the titles relevant if you don't treat them like they're. That's very true. That's I, I completely agree with that. And uh, Mark says, news of the Jeremy verse. My God. Sorry to hear that. Uh, can someone tell me if JJ is a gimmick or his taste is just different? All meant in, in front, of course. JJ is, he's not a gimmick, I don't think. Uh, JJ is JJ. Like, I, I don't I don't know how you want to, want me to explain JJ. He loves wrestling. He's a great guy. One of the nicest guys 
you'll ever meet. Uh, JJ's the absolute best. And I, I, I know Mark is being all in good fun. He's been very supportive of the, of the show today. But yeah, JJ, JJ is the best. His, I guess, if you want to say his taste is different, sure. But it's wrestling. We all got different tastes. With it. Steven Jensen yeah. is over here wanting Pat McAfee to ask, Co- ask Cody Rhodes, ask Vince McMahon, like, two million Cody Rhodes questions. All right? Yeah. We're all a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I'm the I'm over here going Cody Rhodes, Charlotte Flair. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like let's let's push these people that everybody else just is just so yeah, let's push Charlotte about. Flair. That's definitely what we yeah. need. Um, but uh, but yeah, the best way I could explain JJ would be he honest, I mean, we have a lot of people that support a lot of this stuff we do at Fightful, and JJ is definitely one of those people that first comes to mind when it just comes to just support. Like, I'm always seeing him in in all the different live chats. He's always retweeting everything, everything I'm doing, everything you're doing, every everything with Fightful. Like, he's just he's a very supportive uh, part of this. And uh, and Mark, we appreciate you too for for joining in and being new to the Jeremy verse is awesome. And uh, we hope to see in here, you know, often going Fuck. forward. We but. But JJ, um, there. Let me put it this way: When I tweet something, if I if something's retweeted almost immediately, I don't even have to look. It's probably JJ. Oh, it's one hundred percent JJ. Yes, hey, bless. Like I wake up and now I'm up at like six a.m. every morning, so I'm sort of on British time, and the whole timeline is just retweet of, of the pals and everything. JJ is one of the, the most supportive and nicest people you're ever going to meet. Um, yeah, as far as his wrestling taste goes. I don't know. It my people think my wrestling taste is terrible. JJ likes Impact. He likes Jeff Jarrett. He likes what he likes. You know, we all like different stuff. Again, Steven Jensen's asking yep. for Charlotte Flair to win 30 world titles. Okay? Yes. We all like different stuff. Ain't nothing right. wrong with it. You can like what you like in wrestling. Like TK says, watch your wrestling. No, fuck that phrase. He trademarked it and everything. Did he he really tried to push that. Yeah, he tried to push that thing in interviews. You know, I listen to just about every Tony Khan interview. He tried to push that thing in interviews for like two weeks and it did not catch on and he finally dropped it. So now I'm mad at you for bringing it back up. I'm going to kick you out of the uh, the, the Jeremy verse. Well, you know what, Jeremy? Speaking of wrestlers that, you know, people, you know, always like, Steven, why do you like this guy? Jeremy, you can GFY. Jesus Christ. All right, you're done. Guys, we got we got taking Jensen off the screen. We have our interview with Cole Radrick. Uh, I'm putting myself know, back on the screen, you, Jeremy. So you, you can't box me out like this when I have the power. Okay. <laughs> I have the power. But no, up next we have an interview with Cole Radrick. It's awesome. He's one of my favorite independent wrestlers in the world. And I learned some new stuff too. I knew he was new to uh death matches in GCW. I didn't know he had had death matches prior. Like there was some new stuff that I learned. Great conversation. Jeremy, go ahead and go ahead and lead us into this interview with, with our dude, Cole Radrick. I think this is the best interview we've done. Uh, Cole was in the indie spotlight for Jensen last week. We talked about his death match. Uh, last week, we talked to Cole about his death match. Talked to him about the Big Starks brand. Uh, we talked to him so, some mental health, some future plans and everything. I, I absolutely love this interview. I uh, hope everybody else enjoys it as much as uh, Jensen and I did. Here we go. Cole Radrick, GCW. Welcome to the interview portion of the Spotlight. I'm Steven Jensen, as always, here with Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is the king of Wreck Shit Mountain. He is the unsanctioned pro heavyweight champion. He is the ratty daddy, Cole Radrick. Thanks for coming on the show, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate being on here. Yeah, we appreciate you too, man. And uh, we talked a little bit in the DMs and, you know, you're somebody I've been following for quite a while now. I, I think the first time I saw you was probably at SUP like years ago um, out of Nashville. Um, 
because you did some shows there like years back, right? Like probably three, yeah, four I did a years couple ago. scramble matches, I think. But yeah, for a yeah. couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got to see you live there, and then I just started seeing you kind of popping up everywhere. And like, I know you're an Indiana guy, but you're also becoming really big in Texas, like specifically in like the Houston area. So what's it been like just like the last handful of years, just kind of going from like, just kind of like under the radar to now like people are really starting to notice you, it seems like. Yeah, it's really comes out of nowhere. It comes up pretty quickly. Um, honestly, like I started for GCW in like 2019, in December 2019, right before the pandemic hit. And I got lucky enough just to start getting on their shows more and more often. And uh, during the pandemic, GCW was like one of the few shows running. So I got really, really lucky throughout the pandemic to be able to wrestle. And people were able to be to see me do my thing because, you know, there weren't a lot of independent shows going on. And, you know, once things kind of started opening up, uh, it has kind of elevated things and escalated things. And I started wrestling for New Texas Pro. Um, I started doing a lot more East Coast shows. I went to uh seattle for uh without a cause i wrestled at grap house which is in las vegas cat has made an appearance i apologize <laughs> we talked about it earlier within 30 seconds um, but you know I, I just got really really lucky that uh gosh of course uh i got really really lucky you know um that to have a working relationship with game changer wrestling uh throughout the pandemic and to be able to be one of their i think i've gone from a scramble guy now i've you know i've had my individual matches and uh, I'm showing that, you know, not only can I do, you know, technical wrestling or, you know, uh, UWFI style, which in Paradigm Pro, you know, um, Paradigm Pro is one of those other companies that throughout the pandemic they were running. And, uh, you know, you look at guys that have came out of Paradigm Pro, you have guys like Myron Reed, who's a star in MLW. You have guys like uh, AJ Gray, who who was a former Paradigm Pro champion. Now he's, you know, wrestling John Moxley at spring break, like, Paradigm Pro has a lot of, lot of great talent that, you know, are usually the guys that are coming up and guys and girls. And um, it's a great company to work for. And I just got very, very lucky to be able to wrestle throughout the pandemic. So um, I think that kind of attributed to my growth. Um, and I don't know, I just tried to really work hard, especially on Section Pro. They helped out a lot too, for real. Cole Jensen picked. Uh, we do we do an indie spotlight, and Jensen yeah. picked your match against uh, Oren at the the death match as his last week. And I've seen I've seen some of your stuff like when I watch like full GCW matches, but this was one that I actively sought out to to watch and check out. And I just have to ask, what possesses a man to do a death match? Uh, it's I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question. Like. <laughs> adrenaline junkie so like mm -hmm. i think the danger of that the un the unknown of like shit something could go wrong you know can it can definitely go wrong in those types of matches um but i don't know i don't know what possesses somebody it's just like a it's like a light switch i'm definitely not like the normal person i don't think um whether that be you know doing death matches or you know wrecking cars in the demolition derby or you know doing other dumb crazy things like dirt track racing like I've always done things that uh, were out of the norm or would get your heartbeat racing, and death matches just happen to be another form of that. Yeah, and it, scars are cool too. As fucked up as that is, it was like, like my my girlfriend was cleaning up uh, some of my cuts. She's like, "You're gonna have so many more scars." I was like, 
Chicks dig scars. That's from the replacements, yeah. right? Chicks dig scars. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if my chick digs it, but like, I mean, she, you know, <laughs> she, I think she digs me still. So like, that's cool. Yeah, you gave yourself one of those right across the chest too. Oh, uh, see that, that Adam is like R.I.P. Adam Bueller. That uh, that was one of his staples, and uh, uh, we lost him to cancer. So I just want to shout out Adam Bueller. He was a really fucking good guy. But yeah, uh, that shit was sick. Yeah. That, that's one that's of those where i'm watching i'm like yeah, what possesses a man to just do that and you know a, you said it was a tribute but still i just i can't it's a tribute and it was just a feeling in the moment you know what i mean it was just like all right we're fucking here you know um <laughs> yeah i don't know that I, that it was a big match for me so i it was a it was a big moment well, you know, like you mentioned Paradigm Pro, which I, I love what they do too with the UWFI style stuff and, um, you know, just kind of diversifying your skill set, right? Like you have like the the mixed the mixed rules, like work shoot type stuff. You have like traditional wrestling. And then like we have the deathmatch wrestling you're talking about now. And another guy that I've seen kind of recently have a lot of success going all over the place and then going to deathmatches is Hoodfoot. Like he recently kind of you both have like dove in head first now into this scene. Like your, your first death match was gnarly, dude. Like that was like a memorable death match and Hoodfoot kind of did the same in GCW. And now he's getting booked all over the place for death matches. Um, do you kind of see yourself doing something similar? Like, do you want to have more of these types of matches? Or do you just want to kind of be, be utility where like any, anywhere that someone thinks you'd be a good spot, like you're ready to go in any situation. Uh, so I definitely could see myself doing some more death matches. I don't know. Um, I was, and I say this, I've said this before, you know, in conversations with, with guys like Alex clone and like, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, but like it was, it was my first death match in GCW, but I've done death matches as early as 2016, which was my first one was against Reed Bentley and IWA mid South. Um, but I've, I've been very, very selective with how many I've done. I think I've done, I would say 10, maybe 12, a couple tournaments, but um, like I've, I'm not a deathmatch guy. I will be a guy that does deathmatches. Um, I respect the art too much to consider myself a deathmatch guy, but I'm a guy that whenever I do do them, I'm going to go as fucking crazy as I can. Um, like I'm going, I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, uh, this does it and then wants to brag about doing it. I'm a guy that when I do it, it's because I'm doing it and it's because I respect the art of the deathmatch wrestlers. So yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely expect me to do a couple more in the future. Um, maybe in the near future. Uh, but th when I do them, I will do it out of respect and when it matters most. But I'm a utility guy. I like that too. <laughs> I'm a guy. Just Whatever you need me, I'm that guy. Send me in. Be, besides you carving your own chest with the, the light tube, the other spot that really stood out to me was the chandelier. And I, I got to know, did was, was there any thoughts of, of swinging from the chandelier, of just pulling the whole thing down and using it? What's going through your mind as you're setting up the ladder and you see this thing in the way? I, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's still at a point where I'm like, afterthought that anytime somebody mentions it it's like i get that same feeling because it's like in in the midst of the match i'm like okay like this like this is not just another match like i can feel it in the moment i can feel it with the crowd like this is this is something that could be really really cool 
and I set the ladder up and like, I, I don't know what happened. Like I thought I had a grip on it and I just look up and I just see the chandelier swing. And I'm like, <laughs> you see me like look down. I'm like, Oh, like, Oh man. Like I am screwed. And I'm sorry. I curse a lot. So please, oh, no worries. Me, but it's like, but I'm literally like, Oh my God. Like I'm having them. Like I am trying to prove a point with this match more than anything else. And I'm looking at the chandelier swinging and it's like, if this comes down, I'm fucked for my career's over. Like I'm going to be forever known as the guy that broke the fucking chandelier in the show though. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And like, it stays out there. And I literally look at like, I think I looked at a ref. I was like, please help me with this fucking ladder. Cause I'm not <laughs> about to fucking wreck this. Like I'm not trying to tear it down. I get up there and I've never climbed a ladder and tried to lean so far away from the chandelier in my life. <laughs> it was just like, it, it just stopped my heart, heartbeat. I was just like, oh shit, like this is probably going to be the end of fucking all my hard work and everything. Like, all right, cool. Fortunately, um, fortunately, the chandelier did not come down. But that and if you, and like, obviously, this conversation might bring it back up, but like, I don't know if what it says, but like, it became an afterthought. Like, like the yeah. whole thing, like, it could have been like a whole big deal after match. Like, wow, Cole's a real piece of shit. Like, <laughs> not, like, it, it was still mentioned and it still had a gif on Twitter, but like, ooh, like it still, it still wasn't as big of a deal as it probably should have been. See, so I'm I not, I wasn't that. even, I wasn't even thinking of like, oh, this is a big deal. Like he hit the chandelier or anything. I wondered how it was going to like play into the match or anything. No, I can see you no. were worried about it. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is great. I'm no. not, I'm of course not thinking about, oh yeah, if this comes down, like everything screwed the building. They run there all the time. I'm not thinking oh, about that at it, all. It would have been probably the worst thing to ever happen. I, it, was, it was just. Well, oh that cla- in that case, I'm glad uh, that that did not happen. But as it, a it fan watching, I'm like, attack. this is the coolest thing ever. No, it was a heart attack for me. I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> don't let this fucking happen. Like, this match. Oh my God. That's too funny. Up oh, the audio. Me. Somebody tried to call me. That's okay. Me. All good. Um, well, you know, the the night before this uh, this death match, the Orn Vite, you wrestled Billy Starks, and I thought it was a mm-hmm. fantastic match between y'all. And y'all obviously know each other very well. Um, tell the people listening right now, kind of about the Big Starks brand and like what the people involved with that mean to you. Yeah. So like Billy Starks is like my little sister, like legitimately. Um. So back in the I, IWA days, where in a, probably about 2016, um, I was wrestling a match against Reed Bentley, and somebody posted these photos. I was like, "Oh, like that's really sweet." Like it was a photo of me giving like a springboard stunner, and I was like, I messaged uh, Nick Manawa and I said, "Hey, like who took these photos? Like they're really sick." And he linked me to a guy named Robert Bellamy, and I, I was like, "Okay, well." Like I hit up the guy, and I was like, "Hey, man, like that this was a really sick photo. Do you have to have any more?" And he's like. Actually, yeah, and he like sent me like three or four, and I was like, "Hey, man, I appreciate that." Next show comes by, and he shows up, and he's taking more photos, and takes sends them straight to me, and I just started chatting with him, and he, I think, I don't know, I'm not trying to take credit, I don't know if he messaged me or if he directly messaged Manawal, but um, like he was like, "Hey, can I like shoot a photo, a couple photos ringside?" And Manawal was like, "Yeah," and like ended up where he would take photos ringside, and um, sorry freaking voicemail um 
I hate phones. Um, so he ended up he ended up basically, you know, working through Ian Rotten and got involved in wrestling that way, basically because I started asking him for the photos that he took. So now I I end up going to living in Dayton and he starts traveling to Dayton and he starts taking photos for Rockstar Pro and he started to bring along his kid, which is, you know, Billy. Yep. While Billy's like 13, 14 years old, asking all these wrestlers like like, oh hey, like how do I get into wrestling? Or like, I like, I want to be a wrestler and like starts watching these matches at that age, like not watching it as a professional wrestling match, but watching it like in a deeper sense and like trying to learn from everything and ends up, the kid ends up training at like 15 or 16 years old at Grindhouse Pro Wrestling and ends up now me and her dad, Robert or Mouse, whatever you want to call him. I call him Robert, but mouse you know now we're traveling to new jersey for jcw and gcw every weekend or we're traveling to sub grabs or we're traveling to florida for you know mania weekend or we're traveling to iowa so it's like over the past couple of years like you know all these people that mouse was taking photos photos of and all these people that billy was taking photos of because that's how she broke into wrestling is she started taking photos with her dad she did promo shots like all these people that they've met have became family to her family to them, family to us. So that became big Sark Sprint. And now you have people like the freaking, you know, uh, Dante Martin and Sky Blue where, and Lee Moriarty all wearing it on AW because like these are all people that, you know, Mouse would give promo photos to and like, hey, you want to get some shots? Let's get some shots. And like Mouse never charges people. Like that's something that people don't know is Mouse hardly, I don't think he, unless he gets booked, like he doesn't charge anybody for anything. He's like, if you if he takes an eight by ten photo of you, whether it's in the ring or if it's just in the back, like he will take that photo and you can go make eight by tens or make it off of a shirt. He doesn't care. He cares more about go make your money and go get your name out there or have something that looks professional. Like Miles is a very selfless person and he'll never put himself over. And I know I'm ranting, but like this is why people that love the Big Star's brand and believe in it do believe in it is because like Mouse helps out so many people. And his kid is such a good kid. Like, if you've ever met Billy, she's, like, a sweetheart of a kid. And, like, I don't know. They're really good people. And it's a really great brand. And I love being a part of it. It's like a family. Um, but besides putting Robert over, he sucks. Uh, I, he's going he's gonna to look at me and message me and call me soft or whatever. But, like, like the brand became – it became a thing because he became such a champion of his kid. So he looked at LeVar Ball and, like, how mellow is and how all the other Ball brothers are. And he was like, that's my kid. Like, I'm going to champion for my kid. At the end of the day, like, my kid my kid is going to be, you know, one of the hardest workers. And Billy is. And so the Big Starks brand became the Big Baller brand or vice versa. And that's how it grew. So. Yeah. It's awesome to hear you say all this stuff about Mouse and Billy too, because I got to meet Mouse years ago at Glory Pro, just like standing around. We were just kind of next to each other, and he was like taking pictures, and we just started talking. And then I would see him at like Soft in Nashville, and like just start seeing him kind of different places live. And every time he'd be like, "My my kid just started wrestling!" Like like every time, like he was so excited. Like my kid just started wrestling. My kid just started wrestling. And then to see like where she is now, just a few years later, like. It's so cool seeing all of y'all just like really, really growing in, in, in the world of wrestling right now. I mean, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. The kid's going to be a star. Like, or she already is a star, but she's going to make a shit ton of money one day. So Mouse is like, all right, whatever. I'll do all the drives now. Like, she's going to pay for everything later. Like, he's like, I'm going to shoot ringside at WrestleMania or something. So, like, uh, 
yeah, it's it's really cool to see like like especially if it's like I have a show in like uh like Tennessee or New Jersey. He's like, Hey, like who's your ride? I don't know yet, Mouse. I have a crappy car, so I'll probably end up driving <laughs> myself. He's like, All right, let's go. You know, I'll just meet him in Louisville. So like yeah, it it's really good to see how far and he'll never give himself credit like of how great of a photographer he is. But a guy that takes as late, like he'll just if you ever see him shooting ringside, like sometimes he just holds up the camera and just like clicks it and it's fucking art. Like the guy is really naturally good. So it's great to see that his growth as like a photographer from a guy that would just take photos, you know, in the crowd to like where he is at now is pretty sick. Did you take it easier on Billy because she has a little sister and her dad was right there? Did you? Um, so like Billy's, if you've ever met Billy, she's a really nice person, but she's also brutally honest. She gets it from her mother. Um, <laughs> She will just if she watches your match and that she didn't like something, she will be like, "All right, well, this you. I know you had a great match, but <laughs> and, and like, like from that, like me and her have always just been like when it comes to wrestling. Hey, like this is what I thought, and I'm I don't know much. Like I'm an idiot naturally, but like if I see someone like, hey, like this is something you could have done, or like we'll tell each other that. Like we've both been very brutally honest in wrestling to help each other grow because. I think she can see something about me differently than the way I could see something about her wrestling. So, yeah, I've never really taken it easy. And then definitely when we wrestle, she hits the piss out of me. So I have to do the same. <laughs> like, and it's out of love. She's my little sister, but like the kid hits hard. Like anybody that wrestles her, the kid knocks the hell out of you. And like her parents are like, you better hit her back. <laughs> Robert tells me every time, like he, uh, he Robert wasn't at the uh, last um, GCW show, but when he found out that we were wrestling, he literally was like, "You better hit the kid because you know she's gonna hit you." And she hit me like four times. I was like, "Ah!" I was like, "All right, damn!" Wow. So I, I was always curious about this. Like, what what's Billy? Does Billy drive herself to these shows when when Mouse isn't there, or did you, like how does she? Because I usually see him with her. This last one, it was her mom. So either her mom goes or Mouse goes. Like, it's always one or the other. Uh, this last time, it was me, her her mom, and her boyfriend, Marcus. We drove out there and drove back. Um, but it's usually either – it's most of the times, if it's a GCW weekend, it's usually I go down and meet Mouse at in Louisville, and then me, him, Billy, and whoever else. Usually it's Marcus and somebody else, whoever's riding out, will go to, you know, Jersey from there or however – like that's how usually most of the trips go. But yeah, Billy's usually with one or the other or is always with one or the other, but she's driving now. So eventually she is going to be driving herself to her own bookings. But Mouse, I don't think Mouse is going to let that happen for a while. <laughs> he, like, he likes being there too much. I, I was wondering too, like, because, you know, obviously there's big news with Nick Wayne signing with AEW recently. And then my wheels start turning and I'm like, Marcus Mathers, Billy Stark, Starboy Charlie, like these, like these literal kids, teenagers that are like so talented and uh, I was wondering to myself, like, I wonder if Billy winds up in AEW, if that'll be a package deal and Mouse, Mouse goes there too. I mean, at this point, probably, like, it would make sense, right? Just, like, have Robert there and he gets unlimited road trip donuts and he's just back there with, like, the ice cream cones. It's like, oh, that's out of pool. Or, like, whatever. I could definitely see that. Um, I don't know. Like, the kids that, like, Anybody that knows Billy knows she's really, really talented and really, really good. So it's like, all right, what's the kid going to do? Um, I think she has unlimited possibilities. I think she definitely wants to go to Japan for a year. You know, I think that's one of her big goals after talking to her. But who knows? You know what I mean? Um, 
I know, I know Mouse is like, all right, kid, you're the, you're the breadwinner. Let's go. Let's go. He's like, he's like, this is my retirement package right here. But you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like it, you never know. You never know what could happen. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely should be a package deal. Mouse well, can at least take some photos in the back. That's what, I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. Like they get a great photographer out of it as well. A great wrestler and a great photographer. Two, two for one deal. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's an okay photographer, better person, but <laughs> can't put him over too much, as you said. He'll, he'll see this and he'll call you soft, and then oh no, he's down. already going to call me soft. He's really <laughs> put me over too much, nerd. <laughs> uh, what was it like being being in Hammerstein and that whole atmosphere? And then you, you mentioned GCW was a big part of your career in the pandemic, playing a role in who you are now. And then they make it to Hammerstein, and you're part of that. What was that like? Um, it was it was pretty surreal, like uh. There was, there were, the only thing I kept telling myself is there's going to be more people watching this live in person than there are living in my hometown. And like, to me, like, that was the craziest thing. I was like, holy shit. Like there's more people in this building watching me do something that like a lot of, not a lot of people didn't believe in me, but like a lot of people were like, ah, that's kind of weird. Like that's going to be your life choices. You're going to be a professional. So I was like, okay, so like I'm wrestling now in front of more people than the people that were telling me like, don't ever do this. I think that was so surreal. And then like um, the Radrick riot thing started happening where like people were like wanting me to be on the show. And I was like, that's sick. Like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a very weird person where I, I think I bother a lot of people just by like existing. And so like, I'm very socially like awkward, I feel. And like, I just think a lot of people don't like me as a person, which again, is just social anxieties and like mental health stuff. But like, it was really cool to see that many people like, want to see me there like it was such a big show like with other stars and like to have my own like little thing where people were just like yo we want to see this you know weirdo from spencer indiana that like always wanted to be a wrestler and everybody thought he was a weird guy for wanting to be a wrestler like it was a really cool thing to happen and like coming out for my entrance and just seeing all like the little like roger Garriott signs pop up and it was like 200 of those things i was like what the shit is going on like <laughs> It was, I don't know, it was really humbling. It was really, really sick. It was really cool. Well, you, you I'm know, just you a mentioned, dude, you know? Oh, yeah. But, dude, you're you're so much fun to watch, man. Like, I, you know, you, you're talking about you always wanted to be a wrestler and, you know, me being such a fan of what you do in the ring. Like, who are some of the influences that you'd say kind of, like, formed your style of wrestling? Um, you know, I, I really loved uh, Paul London and Ray Mysterio growing up. I thought those guys were always undersized, but, like, they were always really, really good. Like, London was London was just so crisp in the ring from, like, a long, long time. Um, but, like, as, like my, the first ever independent wrestler I ever watched was a guy by the name of J.C. Bailey, who was a technical wrestler that, did, that specialized in death matches. So, like... Um, I take a lot of influence from him because I really want to be a guy that can do both. He leaned more to the deathmatch side of things than he did the technical wrestling. So I'm trying to be like the more of the opposite where I'm a technical wrestler that like when I do the death matches, like it makes sense. Uh, or like it's really, or it, I do it well, hopefully. Um, but guys like that, guys like uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, you know, I he, whenever his first PWG run was like right when I was getting into like uh, like, oh, I want to train to be a wrestler. Like, he was such a good martial artist and his, like, fluidity of strikes and how he pieced things together and how there was no wasted motion. Like, 
that's something I can admire. And like, I was like, man, like that's really good. Like that's a guy that whenever he wrestles, it's crisp. You know what I mean? And you want to watch it because he's that good and he's only gotten better. Like his, he's already back in the States and he's fucking killing it. So it's pretty sick. You, you mentioned uh, mental health and social anxiety. And I, I relate a lot to, to that and feeling like, Oh, nobody really wants me here or likes me or anything. And a lot of it, it's just, it's all in our head. Cause yeah. a lot of people tell us what we're great. And you know, you, I, 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 we all have friends and everything. And they tell us, Hey, you're really good. I really enjoy hanging out with you. And in your own mind, you're just like, no, no one really wants me. Like, how do you, how do you take care of your mental health? I guess. And I know that's a, maybe a wide ranging question, but for you. Um, it's a, it's a constant battle. Like, but it's not like a bad thing. Like, honestly, it's more than anything. It's keeping a constant upkeep. So a lot of things I'll wake up and I'll just tell myself, you know, I'm grateful for what I'm grateful for. So like, I'll just be like, okay, I'm grateful for this and that. And like, um, whenever I get to wrestling shows and like, I'll talk to the people I love, like that I know love me. Like I talk to people that I not care about, like I know care for me. I'll talk to guys like Big Vin or Jordan Oliver or Blake Christian or Alex Zane or like, or Effie or people that I know like genuinely care about me as a person. It's like, all right, I know no matter what, like, these are people that do care and I could go talk to. And it's like, all right, if I need an honest opinion, I know I can go to Jordan Oliver and talk to him about whatever we need to talk about. Like that's one of my guys. And so it's like, those are the things I'm doing to keep myself centered. It's like, all right, like I do have people that care about me. I'm not this, this weirdo that like, talks a lot and like can rant and like and i'm sure you guys can tell like i go on rants it's just what i do because i just talk and talk and talk um but it's just like it's cool because like i'm really i try to be really grateful for everything i get to do i'm a really lucky guy like i said i'm a small town redneck from spencer indiana that definitely should not be you know i nobody should have ever paid for a plane ticket for me to go wrestle but it's happened it somebody literally took time out of their day to buy a $200 plane ticket for me to go do something across, you know, you know, that's 14 hours away to do something that I love. Like that is more than what I ever thought of as a kid. So like everything from that is just, you know, I'm really grateful and I just want to work hard and, you know, do much more bigger things that way. So please, you know, another small town kid just looks at another redneck like me. It's like, Oh, like, it's cool. You can do cool things. So like that's, those are the things that like I try to remind myself is that I've done way more than I probably should have. And I probably will do hopefully more cool things. And I'm just going to be the best person I can be while doing that. I try to be a really, you know, positive person. I think it comes off as fake sometimes, but I'm really trying to be, uh, I don't know, a good person. No, again, I rant. No, 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 you no, really, you are, you're great. completely fine. And like, I am very relating is you try to be positive and, but then you think like you're too positive and it does come off as fake. And like, it's, you're right. Like it is a battle. And I, I just wanted to tell you, like, I think everything you have, you have said today and your, your rants, which I don't see as rants as all, like all of it, it comes off across very genuine and you not knowing you before this conversation, not even like, not knowing you wrestling wise to the level, especially like Jensen has, like I've found this whole conversation, like just great. And you're already now, like I like you even more as a wrestler on top of, as a person just doing this interview. And I hope other people uh, find that as well. But I, I think you're a great person. 
on top of being a great wrestler. I appreciate that. I try my best. I'm I'm not perfect, but I definitely try. I don't know. There's spread and do good is like my life motto. Or like the I thought a quote was just like spread and do good. So that's all I try to do. I definitely I had some like bad mentors early on in wrestling that definitely didn't help out a lot. And so I'm definitely just trying to be something where it's like I don't want anybody ever to have a reason to be like, oh, Cole Radic was like a dick to me because I saw him at a show and he didn't talk to me or I talked, wanted to say something to him or ask him to watch my match or anything like that. And like, I'm getting to a weird point where like people are asking me to watch their matches and I'm like, I'm nobody, but I will watch it and, you know, we'll see whatever. I don't know. I just want to be good and do good. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all super inspiring, man. And, uh, you know, you said that you feel like you've already kind of like accomplished so much and you're grateful for so much. Well, like what else is on kind of your bucket list? What goals do you have? What, uh, you're, you're out there winning championships with unsanctioned pro champ. Um, you got, you got like some dream matches that, that you really want. You got any companies you haven't worked for that you're really looking forward to maybe, you know, mixing up in soon. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things I definitely have on my bucket list. Um, I'll, there's a couple matches that are going to be happening Mania weekend that I think are going to be pretty uh, that are bucket list matches. So I don't want to list them off, but I think I think it'll be pretty. They'll be pretty cool. Um, more than anything, I just want to wrestle more. I I, I I'm very lucky to wrestle as I wrestle like once probably I probably wrestle twice a weekend every weekend for the past you know three four months and then. It looks like I'm going to continue to do that, and I love doing that. I just legitimately just want to wrestle more as much as I can. Um, I want to wrestle – I don't know. Um, I think a big goal this year would be to do something like AEW Dark or something along those lines. Um, but I'm I'm at the point where I, right now I legitimately – I just want to be – I don't, I don't know. There's, it's, it's a weird way to say this. Cause like, it sounds like I'm being like a mark or whatever, or a mark for myself. But it's like, at the end of the day, like I want to build such a good reputation for myself as an in-ring wrestler by the end of this year, where it's like, oh yeah, Cole Radrick's like one of the, one of those guys. Like I want to be, that's, that's where I'm working to is I just want to be a clean established professional wrestler where it's like, all right, well, if Cole Radrick's on the show, like I'm fucking watching this show. Like I, this is all right. He's like the guy I got to watch. Um, but yeah, something like AEW Dark or something with Impact or some uh, anything like that, like something with like a TV company was definitely like uh, a goal. Just not even like a contract or anything. I it's just like I want to get to that spot and you know test myself in in that environment because like I've always been one of those guys like I rise to the occasion, and it's even if I even if I fail, I'm gonna fail on my fucking sword and I'm gonna try my hardest. You know what I mean? So. I think those would be the goals. Um, definitely got some ideal matches that I want to happen and that may or may not be happening. So just kind of seeing what happens from there. Uh, my last one for you and nothing to do with wrestling, but what is that yeah. picture in, in the background? This? Yes. <laughs> uh, so that is a photo of Assembly Hall, which is the IU basketball stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, so it's here. Um, I think I can move the camera a little bit. <laughs> We can get a it's from my uncle uh so it's hanging in there but it's the basketball stadium. that that's or what i thought it was and especially yeah. when you mentioned indiana and i just wanted to to get 
confirmation. Is that an Ali photo? We're just going to take yep. a core. We got, a tour yeah, yeah. We'll, just, we'll yeah. just do a tour. <laughs> so we got an Ali photo. Um, this. So th these are uh, Valentine's stickers from Jonesy, part of his space, uh, one of his space boxes. Nice. So shout out jonesycollectibles.com. Um, this is, so this photo right here is a autographed mankind photo with Paul Bear. So what's funny about that is um, he did a comedy show in Bloomington, Indiana, the night of my very, very first uh, training session, at, like ever. So when I, or not ever, but like, so I trained once when I was 16. I signed like a four-year contract with like a very local, like shady promoter. That's a whole story in itself. Um, but whenever I like truly started training at New Wave Pro, I went to the comedy show with Mick Foley. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm going to train to be a wrestler. He's like, ah, well, hey, man, good luck. And so, like, I took a photo with him and I got that 8 by 10 And I was like, all right, sick. Like, now I have at least something that's like, all right, this is from my day one of, like, wrestling training. So that was a cool story about that. I got I got some Dale Earnhardt stuff, but I don't nice. know if we want the full tour. I got wrestling posters. Um, yeah, this is – so my living room is a man cave. My girlfriend has, like, the upstairs loft. But, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I love it. I'm the same kind of way. My living room is just like Minnesota Viking stuff, UFCs. I mean, this is my living room. We got like UFC posters in here over my shoulder and stuff. So I, I respect it, man. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I had a couple uh, UFC posters at, I think it's at my dad's, but I'm just like, man, I don't know if I have enough space. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, you know, you were just mentioning this guy's we kind of close up this, uh, this interview here, you're mentioning, you know, you want to be one of those guys that people look to and it's like Cole's on the show. I got to watch that show. You're already one of those guys for me, man. And I, I know I'm not alone. And there's a lot of us out there that are, that are out there that are ratty daddy fans and we want to see you everywhere. And, uh, and I guess kind of the last question for you, it's a pretty generic question, but it's a question I'm like legitimately interested every time I ask it. As a fan of wrestling yourself, what's your favorite match you've ever watched? Damn. Uh, so I don't know if it's just because it has a historic remembrance, well, like not historic, but like just like a special spot. Uh, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, the opening of WrestleMania 21 is such a really, really good, clean technical match. Like they had a real, obviously the Halloween Havoc match is, you know, it's there. Um, but like, Besides Mysterio's mask, like going all over the place because like he had like this weird strap system on it, um, like it was such a very good technical match, and it was like it was a really. I was like, man, this match is so like awesome. Like, Rey Mysterio is so cool. He's doing all of his best hits. Like Eddie Guerrero's being freaking Eddie Guerrero. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Like that's probably like one of my favorite matches. Um, definitely, you know, uh, Sean Ric Flair. I'm sorry. I love you. Perfect ending. Super kick. Uh, yeah, man. JC Bailey versus Chris, uh, Chris cash from TOD three. That's my favorite One of my favorite death matches of all time. Um, so yeah, like those are like the matches where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that was really sick. Like I was like growing up, like those three matches were like, all right, these are what I'm going to watch like all the time. So those are probably the three. And I, I do want to say like, I do appreciate uh, you cause I know you have been a very, very big fan of mine you've definitely retweeted a lot of my stuff um definitely did not know what i did to get such an appreciation from you uh, so i do appreciate it like i do tell people a lot like i do appreciate the love people give out to me it, it does mean a lot to me so i appreciate you my man uh yeah, yeah thank you for real 
Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and it's honestly, it's because I, I just see how hard you work, man. Like your, your, your effort just really, really shows through and your, your skill set is just, it's unique. Like I, I love the way you mix up your technical wrestling and just how we've used the word kind of utility, but like you really are the utility guy for me. Like just it, there, there are a few people out there that like when I hear their name, I'm like, this person is going to make the show they're on better, no matter what. And you're just one of those guys for me, man. So I'm, I'm happy to, to promote you as much as I can. And I was really happy that we can get you on the show today because I wanted to talk to you for a while. But today, uh, this just wound up working out perfect with you having that GCW deathmatch recently and us talking about you on the show recently. So it's like we talked about you. Now we get everyone to, you know, they get to hear from you this week. So I, I, I really appreciate it as well, man. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you guys for real. Like, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It's again, it's one of those things like I'm really just really, really grateful for the position that I'm in and like the journey. And it's pretty sick that I get to talk to somebody that one is like been like a like a big supporter of me for a while. And like, you know, I'm a big fan of Fightful. So like it's sick in both ways. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, we appreciate you, you joining us, Colt. When Jensen said, you know, you were down to it. I was very excited. Again, not. I'm not the the king of the indies, why uh, like uh, Jensen is over here. But well, by the uh, way, I'm not. I'm not. There are people far, dude. Like when, like I'll just put it out there. When I am looking for answers, I turn to Dylan Hales. That's kind of like my like yeah. my source of like. If I don't know it, Dylan will know it. So like I don't consider yeah. myself like the king of like the indies or whatever. Nothing like that. Dylan there are definitely people. Yeah, there are definitely people that I look towards. So definitely no way more than me. I appreciate the compliment though, Jeremy. I mean, I know you're just trying to be nice, but. <laughs> um, but- I was excited for for you to come on, especially after talking uh, about you last week with the with the death match and everything. And I appreciate this this interview and how honest you were and all the stories. And we got to get you back on to talk about this four year contract that you oh, that you signed yes. early in your career. <laughs> he showed up cool. on my he showed up on my sixteenth birthday, like legitimately. <laughs> okay all right you're you're welcome back anytime you want and we're just we're gonna do the four-year contract story and we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of all of this <laughs> let the people know life. where where uh they can find you at so it's at cole radrick on twitter at cole radrick on instagram pretty nice pretty simple like again you can probably tell not a genius so my twitter at and my instagram at is very very simple I'm going to have some new merch coming out, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, shout out Russell Nerds for my sick-ass T-shirt. Uh, they all, they have, like, these really dope shirts that they just hooked me up with. So go check them out. They're really dope people. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can find me. Pretty simple, pretty easy, pretty bland. Sorry. <laughs> Again, thank you, Cole, for, for doing this. We really appreciate it. Guys, we'll be right back in just a second here on the – We're back, everyone, on the spotlight. Jensen, we're at about three hours right now, but we appreciate Cole Radrick for coming on. Uh, we recorded that earlier this week. Again, that was probably my favorite interview that we have done. I, I, I thought he was, I thought he was great, and I appreciate you uh, setting that up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was great as well, and uh, happy to do it. I was happy to have him on, and it sounded like he had a good time doing it. And uh, he's a fan of Fightful, and uh, so yeah, that was awesome. And uh, y'all should go support him. Check out his matches. Really, any of these companies we talked about, whether it be Subgraps or Paradigm Pro or GCW or um, Unsanctioned or, I mean, geez, he's everywhere. New Texas, all over the place. 
IWTV, use code Fight Talk, F I G H T T A L K L is one word, no spaces. Use code Fight Talk on independentwrestling.tv and watch a lot of cool Radwick stuff. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably wrapping the show up here. That's pretty much all I wanted to plug, anyways. You use the promo code and uh, follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. Also, uh, this Sunday, Fight Post Select Weekend or Podcast. That's every Sunday, talking the world of uh, professional wrestling. And I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, aw revolution or sorry revolution that i'm getting, I'm getting names mixed up impact sacrifice aew you had revolution revolution right. okay right, yes. right right now now, now i'm super <laughs> screwing myself up aw revolution impact sacrifice um ufc masvidal sacrifice 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 there you go <laughs> so uh so yeah i'll also like right after this me and joel pearl are playing mario kart for like an hour so um at like 7.30 p.m. Eastern, which is like 15 minutes from now. Me and him are playing Mario Kart. If you have a Nintendo Switch, uh, come play with us or just hang out in the uh, in the chat. And uh, that's twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. So I'll see you all here in a few minutes. We'll, we'll play for about an hour. JJ says, thank you for the kind words. It really means a lot. Always happy to support this great platform of Fightful and other shows y'all do. Love you all. JJ, you're the best. We appreciate you uh, and all the support. And everything you do for us guys i have nothing i have nothing to plug um go go and as i say that i'm gonna plug something go to fightfuloverbook.com check out the different stuff we do we have shows daily uh yeah just just go check yeah, it out I, i'll do it i'll do it for you tomorrow <laughs> i'm on the grassy dudes 10 a.m that is fightful over Booked. you can watch jeremy's uh part of the interruption style show uh what did you wind up around the that? horn around the horn pillar to oh, post. sorry that, sorry yes. sorry around the horn you're right you're right sorry about that, that was that was a lot of fun i do encourage everyone to watch that we had uh righteous reg louis dangor sp3 uh lily alexandra and connor casey on that and we're gonna be doing that hopefully bi-weekly i'm looking to do that that was that was a ton of fun got a lot of great feedback on that so uh, yeah I, I was really happy with that but go to five floor book we had daily content as Jensen said, he'll be there with SV3 doing Degrassi Dudes tomorrow. I'll be there with SV3 doing Friday morning coffee. SV3 just pretty much lives on that channel now. He lives everywhere. Plus that guy. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's another workhorse. Uh, but go to fightfloverbook.com. Check out all the great shows, uh, the great content we have over there. Um, yeah, thank, thank you guys for, for the support today with, with everything. It's been a long day. It's going to be a long weekend. But love you guys. Love you guys always uh, supporting us, showing us love. Uh, and it makes it does make this fun. As hard as it can be, it does, it does make it very fun. So we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Spotlight. We'll talk to you all then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.